Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of Badass Records, which, in case you were wondering, is a podcast featuring conversations with folks about their lives and some of their favorite music along the journey. Where can you find the podcast? Streaming uh, audio on your favorite uh, platforms. There's YouTube. Uh, all the episodes live on the site, which is badassrecordspodcast.com. New episodes drop Thursday mornings. Uh, you can follow the pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, if you do go to the website, badassrecordspodcast.com, make sure you click the merch tab and shop around. You might find uh, something cool for yourself or a loved one. Uh, and if you want to be uh, on the show, hit me up, please, at badassrecordspodcast at gmail.com. It's badassrecordspodcast at gmail.com. Come sit with me. Appreciate you stopping by. Um, so like I said, uh, all goes well. This would be episode 74 of Badass Records Podcast. Um, and I have the fortune of hanging with Mr. Adam Browning. I have it right there. Adam Browning. Yes, sir. Cool. How's it going? You know, I, I've had better times. I've had worse. <laughs> I hear you. We're sitting down here going to talk about some music, so that's a good time. That's right. That's you right. Um, it, it is what I do. Right. For the, for the majority. Well, it's, it's my good uh, pastime, we'll call it, because I do have a normal job. Same. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so you, the, as as far as that goes, that I know of, you're half of Chemtrails with Adam and Sean. That it, yes, and that is correct. You guys air on Counterclockwise KC ra- Internet Radio uh, t- Tuesdays. Is it Tuesdays? We do Tuesdays at seven and ten. Right. And those are our new shows come out biweekly. So. Anytime someone tunes in, it could it could be a new one, it could be a, a replay. Okay, um, and it's been going since like mid twenty one. Is that right? Or yeah, we're almost exactly two years. Okay, okay, because we started in the summer, so nice. it would be. I want to say we were in the middle of July of twenty one. So we're we're by the time this airs, right. Cam Trails will, yeah. will, will be two years. Nice. Well, happy early slash on time slash belated birthday. Yeah, to the pod. Appreciate that. Um, it, now, is there another lane of music that you're in that you you know are invested in beyond that particular pod that I don't know about? Uh, I, I am not. I mean, I I tinker uh, playing with a guitar, and I use the term playing very loosely. I hear you. There, there, there's, there's, there's no true skill there by any stretch, and. Kim Trails with Adam and John, it is a it's a side project and that combined with some personal things and the like I said, the normal forty hour work week sure. makes it kinda of tough to do anything else, especially if I want to go to shows. Right. Which is I, I love it. Yes. And it's 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 how, that's also how I've uh, helped uh, get some of the interviews that we've done on the podcast was from being at shows and approaching people. Well either approaching them or just be having being around where I'm in a situation where it's a comfortable, right? You know, yeah, a comfortable question. Absolutely, because I, I, I'm not sure how much you uh, 
feel about this, but especially if I'm wanting to do interviews with musicians, I don't want to come off or build that reputation as that guy. That's please, good, that, that, that's going to be please, pestering please. someone or yes. or going out of the way and just being, even if it's unintentional, being obnoxious. So I, I'm purposely trying not to do that. But being around shows in some of the smaller venues, you go to a Knuckleheads, you're going to have a few more opportunities right. where the band, your smaller bands in particular, may come out and talk to you. Yeah. You right. Know, you know, in that yeah. situation, you're, you're in natural conversation. It's that's a lot more respectable and appropriate, right? In my eyes, right? Well, I and with social media, you can reach out, and if they have a minute, they can answer, right? You know, as long as you're not being over the top or uh, overbearing, yeah. per se. You yeah, know? you know, send one or two feelers out. If they don't respond, call it good. I know. If they do respond, like Jared Nichols, our first guest, I sent one message. Nice. Month and a half later, like, because we were still very new at that time. Yeah. And obviously, if you go look at our stuff, we don't have a ton of followers. And we start our first airings were on KCTK Radio before uh, Sean had started Counterclockwise Radio. Right. So incredibly hard for any anyone outside to have a feel for our audience. Yeah. If we have any kind of reach, if it's worth their time per se. Right. So I sent the message out just on a whim, thinking, one message, I'm not being that guy. What's going to do, ignore me or say no? I know, I know. Shoots a, shoots a message, hey, sounds great. Yeah. Talk to my manager. And at that point, I, I sent Sean a message. I said, well, we're in. Yet any advice? He goes, I've never talked to a band manager before. <laughs> I don't. So we, we automatically... Kill him with kindness, I we, suppose. We automatically went into uncharted waters. Right, yeah. <laughs> Turns out Jared Nichols is one of the coolest cats you will ever awesome. meet. Heck of a guitar player, and uh, like I said, super nice. Super. He still follows us and likes us and talks to us once in a while. Awesome. So I just out of nowhere, being able to reach out and using what I, you know, at that moment considered uh, good manners. You know. Yeah. It just just worked out, and it's turned turned into a pretty good thing, and uh, that also. I got to see him live, and I saw him at the bottleneck. Oh, cool! Love that. And and he was the opener for John Five. So I, what kind of what started all this tangent? I was able to talk to him for a minute at the merch stand. There you go. Great opportunity. So I didn't ask him anything about the podcast at the time. And actually, I take that back. The first time I saw him, I we hadn't even started the podcast yet. But when he was coming back through, I'm like, I remember talking to him. I got a feel for his, a little bit at least for his personality and, sure. and how he can talk to people just on the regular. And if he says yes, this would be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So shot that out there. And that goes back to, like I said, the original point of just going to the shows, yeah. being, being in local places, checking new bands out. Yep. I had no idea who Jared Nichols was before that show. Um, but I paid the money for the ticket. So I go out there and sure. I'm, I'm going to see the opener and see, hey, what can uh, you do? Kem chemtrails uh, with Adam and Sean, I believe, posted <clears throat> on Facebook last night from Starlight for uh, the Head and the Heart and maybe the Revivalists. Was that you or was that Sean or that was me? Okay, you uh, saw the Head and the Heart last night. Yes, sir. And, and the Revivalist. Okay, I, I was I wasn't very familiar with the Head and the Heart uh, beforehand. I'd heard a couple songs. They were really good live. Nice. They really were. 
Um, good composition. All strong musicians too. Absolutely, very, very, very strong. I dig them. Uh, um, is she is the I, I forget her name uh, Charity Rose is she still uh, vocal female vocal like violin slash fiddle um I'm gonna I don't know the band members names I'm gonna assume yes because there was a lady that okay. was doing violin and some vocals cool. and all that she's uh, got pipes she yeah 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 and honestly I thought all of them had had pretty good voices because there's the I said I don't know the band members names but. There was a male that was doing a lot of vocals as well. He had a T-shirt on that said "Isles." I don't know if that helps you any. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, but, uh, they they uh, they had uh, I, I can't, uh, beyond her name. The rest are escaping me too. But a few years back, they had uh, a different front male vocalist that was with them from the. But then they parted ways, and an existing member that kind of did some vocal stuff just sort of stepped into that role, which I sounded con- seemed convenient. I don't know. And that and that would also explain why he was uh, playing uh, instruments as well. Like he wasn't just doing vocals, right? And that was nice. Um, something I didn't know about the Revivalist. Uh, their lead singer plays guitar too. Okay, I, I was I wasn't completely aware of that. I'm, I'm not familiar with them, uh, but uh, so Head and the Heart opened for Revivalists. It was a uh, three bands. It was oh. Jamie Jamie Wyatt was the opener, Head and the Heart was second, okay. Revivalist were the headliner. And how did how did you get turned on to the Revivalists? The um Men Amongst Mountains album I think is incredible. And it's it's about 5 or 6 years old now. That's one of theirs. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right on. And there's a, there's a two or three songs to it. Uh people that know the band uh, gravitate towards the song Wish I Knew You. Okay. And it's if you go YouTube them, that's going to be sure. one of your first pop things sure. that pops up. Where they've done it in, in studio in different different formats, and really, really, really strong song. Men amongst mountains. Men amongst mountains. the The album itself is, I think, stellar. It's a good example of um, kind of what I I kind of look at a, a newer, almost soul revival. Okay, because yeah. the, 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 there's a real soulful voice there. Nice, and they're not going for an, an uh, over the top or straight, more straightforward, quote unquote, rock and roll. Okay, it it, it leans itself more towards a, a soul feel to sure. it. Sure, and they kind of fit in with like Saint Paul and the Broken Bones and Duran Jones. And the Black Pumas, there's a there's a small group of folks that have a pretty strong soul sound. Nice. Um, the Revivalist, not as much, but a couple of those bands. Black Pumas are phenomenal. I love those guys. And it, when you listen to some of those bands, uh, like Duran Jones in particular, the Pumas have a lot of influence in this area too. You can hear a lot of Otis Redding and Al Green influence, and Sam Cooke, and things like that. I personally, I, I never thought I'd hear a, a good soul wave come back. Like that, the 70s one was it? And yeah, yeah, I, I thought Motown may have been the one and only. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, exactly. But you, you've got some strong voices out there. Oh, I forgot to mention Anderson East, another one, has a lot of Al Green flavor to him. Okay. To his vocals Very and nice. the way he styles his music. Another one, too, similar to The Revivalist, came off really good live. Um you hear the horn section more live. Uh, you you can get a better feel for their voice. Like, and I should have written this down. But the revivalist lead singer he has an incredible voice, nice. and it's really strong live too. Same with Anderson East. Um, the Pumas are phenomenal. Yeah. Um. So, 
how how often are you seeing shows? Monthly, weekly? Kind of depends on the calendar. Sure. Um, when things get hectic, I mean, obviously I slow down a little bit, but there's also times where it's the opposite, where maybe I've got some free time, or if I see a line of shows coming up, I'll schedule things around and hit several shows in a row. Like right now, I saw, we know last night I saw The Revivalist and Head and Heart. Two weeks ago, I saw, it was Black Angels and Rival Sons. Boy, Rival Sons. You want to talk about another great voice. Uh, Jay Buchanan, their lead singer, has got one of the strongest set of pipes I've ever seen. Nice. Really strong. And they're they're definitely rock and roll. Cool. Like, like they're, it, it's almost shtick at this point. Every concert clip I've seen on YouTube and every time I've seen them in person, two or three songs in, they'll kind of break it down for a second and Buchanan will hit the mic and go, we are the Rival Sons, and do you know what we do? We play rock and roll music. <laughs> and then they'll kick back in. And it was something of that nature, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's consistent. That That is their entire mode, and I love it. Well, uh, I'm really glad that you said what you said at the top about uh, being that guy. Um, and I didn't, like, set out to do this with musicians, per se. Mm-hmm. Just, like, all people... Or if you're somebody that is willing and interested to come just mm-hmm. bullshit and talk music, like right. you're you're a good candidate. Hopefully you're not a dick, right? You know, in theory, right, right. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I did have a few musicians just kind of randomly, uh, but only once Sean and I connected did I start getting some a few follows from bands. Right. So I've reached out to those folks, but it, but musicians. People that I know, people that I've never met, uh, like I had, have had to learn, like, you know, once, twice, and yeah, then you, you kind of take your hands off, and and, and that also uh, sort of has for me has gone hand in hand with when I'm socializing, mm-hmm. I I try not to bring it up at all anymore because I feel like when it was when I was getting it ready and then it was off the ground it was like i could just fucking hear myself talking about it wherever i was and it made me like grossed out by myself so i try now to like you know if somebody brings it yeah okay but it's a fine line and and i can tell you like i have a container in my car if it comes up naturally in conversation, I can go get you a couple stickers of bands I've seen or we've had on there and for the podcast, but I don't try and push them. The only the only thing I will do um, is if I'm in a record store and I have the opportunity, I might ask them if I can leave something so that customers can pick something up and go, here's a link tree. And then they can go. They can go check nice. out the Counterclockwise channel and hear us there. I've thought about doing that about forty times, but haven't done it yet. It's and it's it's a surprisingly cheap form of advertisement because, right? At least I'm going to assume you're the same way. I know I am. I always look at that stand by the door in a record store to see what are the free local magazines. Are there any cards? Is there a flyer for a local show coming up? Since I've been old enough to drive, I've been doing that, you know. So, and then that to grab me. Grab the pitch. Oh, stickers. Oh, this. Right, right. Oh, yeah. This yeah. band looks cool. Whatever it is. Oh, the Emporium. They're playing these guys. Yeah, you know, whatever. Yep. So, and I, 
I just assume that's a natural thing for anyone walking into a record store. So that's something that w- we've done all along. Right. Has basically made glorified business cards that had lo- <laughs> logo and link tree on the back. Yeah, okay. Nice. So e- easy to see, easy for someone to put in their pocket and keep with them. So what is the uh, uh, Chemtrails, Adam and Sean, Mon- mm-hmm. Tuesdays, 7 and 10 Central, uh, Counterclockwise KC Radio, What? which is, uh, you can find it via Live 365 or the TuneIn app, correct? Correct, yes. So what is the origin story uh, of the name of the show? I knew you were going to ask me that. So I asked Sean. Oh, okay. Because the way the way the podcast God, came I up, hope I didn't ask him and forgot that I asked him. You didn't. Okay, cool. Because we, we talked about it for All a second right. just to make sure. Um, but the origin of the podcast is Sean had wanted to do something of this nature... He had the idea as far as talking about records and then talk about the local stuff going on. And it was just kind of brainstorming with people he knew that might fit that. So he invited me. Okay. That's how I get involved. But he already had the name, so I didn't actually know the origin until I asked him because I thought funny. you might ask funny. me. Good, and uh, good on you. That was that was clever. Um. No, apparently he was looking at an old German airline ad from the 70s, and he had what he thought were lines of cocaine in the chemtrails from the airplane. Huh. So, he and he just, for he saw that chemtrails clicked, and then he thought of the Joe Walsh album where he's got that biplane, and you got the the logo, the name of the album written into the into the trails behind it. Is it a, is it a Joe Walsh, or is it a James Gang record? That's uh, Joe Walsh. Okay, okay. Definitely. Um, but that that's just kind of the origin of it, and the more he thought, he just, it, it's, it felt right to him. Nice. So, yeah, cocaine, whatever. <laughs> now, uh, chemtrails are uh, like leftover jet stream that is a result of s- attempts at weather manipulation. Is that... That, that that's the long story to it and the term itself is a lot of times associated with um conspiracy theories yeah yeah which is i get questions about that sure one. i asked what do you guys talk about i had an electrician i needed like two things done and then it was five and then it was seven and by the time it was 10 i was like god damn it so i had this dude this company came over uh, walked him around to the things and he gave me like three quote options. You know, here's one you can do like five things. Here's one you can do all of them, you know? So I chose somewhere near the, all of them. Um, <laughs> because it was it, it, after 10 years, you know, like I inherited the home with some of those things. And right. saw them right. at like uh, blah, blah, blah. And then it, I was like, God, I just, I don't want to have, uh, you know, electrician projects taking up any more mental bandwidth. So let's just hammer some out. And and the guy was very sweet, very nice, uh, did, did, did a good job. But um, I think that's how he spends all of his waking time is dialed into podcasts about conspiracy theories and like r- researching and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, he had more to say, like he, he sent me a Christmas card 
it, it's upstairs I, and it was like you, you should break some shit so i can come back and i was like oh my god dude. did he hand deliver it or does he actually trust the post no, office no, no, he, he he put it in an envelope with a <laughs> okay, stamp on it okay but uh but that was um i was talking to this girl at the time and after he left i was kind of filling her in on the whole day with him and she's like you've because I'd never heard the term before. She's like, yeah. what do you mean you've never heard of chemtrails before? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I've never ever in 48 years heard. It. But now. It, it, it's been a while, but there there was, especially in that first year, we would get random messages about people that had ideas of, that they thought we should talk about. And oh they were conspiracy theories. Okay. So I get, and like a lot of the social media stuff is set up in my name. So I'd be like at work and randomly get a Facebook messenger message from some dude talking about the Iraqis. And oh, I mean, man. just, just bizarre stuff out Wrong there. Wrong number, buddy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> How about you give it a listen and then come back to me yes, with, a, with, with yes. a solid album? <clears throat> if you have a theory about a musician, maybe. Right, right. <laughs> So, uh, are you uh, born and raised in the area? I uh, grew up in Lee Summit. Okay, right on. Lee Summit, yeah. Mine, I spent 25 plus years living right off 2nd and Green Street in downtown Lee Summit. Okay, nice. It's, uh, that boy, that's uh, anymore, because I'm, I'm 40 now. So, I go, when I'm in town, because I still have a lot of friends and family that live in Lee Summit. Sure. So, when I go through there, though, it just, it looks so different. Right. Uh, if you'd have told me when I was in high school that Lee Summit would have a legitimate bar district in downtown, I'd have said, you're crazy. They'll right. never let that fly. Turns out I would have been wrong. Right. <laughs> There's um, a solid dozen bars in about a three-block radius in, in downtown Lee Summit. Nice. There's nice. a bunch. There's options. Yeah. Um, I need. I've, I think I brought it up with Nigel, but I mean, uh, I moved back to KC in 2000, and uh, mm-hmm. it was... Dating a girl whose folks lived in Lee Summit, and uh, the Dew Drop In was the only place we ever went for a drink while we were out there. And uh, apparently, it's it's gone. It's something else now. But that's that that and that's <clears throat> only a couple years gone. Um, but I haven't been out for beers anywhere else really in downtown Lee Summit. Man, oh man, I've I've had a few drinks in that place. The owner's daughter is a crazy one. Nice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so but how, now, I, I think Nigel also mentioned like um, Fringe. I think, I think you mentioned Fringe Beer Works, and that's in downtown Lee okay, Summit. Okay, cool. Well, I know uh, Smoke. I mean, that's, Smoke Smoke is in Lee Summit too. Yeah. <clears throat> there, um, there, there, there's there's several there. Um, I don't know if you mentioned it because I, I actually didn't listen to the your uh, episode with Sean. Uh, shame on me, I guess. Uh, Sean works at one too. Oh, that's right. It, the it, goat. It's, yeah, it's not in downtown, but it's in Lee Summit Goat Brewery, and they do some good stuff too. We were talking uh, Tuesday evening, and he said uh, that the, there's maybe uh, a thing on the ninth at the Goat to celebrate the one year anniversary of Counterclockwise KC. That might, that might be nice. Um, I see he hadn't mentioned that to me yet, but they also. I've had some personal things going on where I've been out of touch for a couple sure. of weeks and uh, was going to get back in touch with him and record the next episode. Yeah, probably, probably well, this I, coming week. When or we were maybe talking the week after, when we were talking Tuesday evening, I think it like just hours ago had kind of come up or recently. So uh, it, it's certainly possible. There's things move pretty quickly around Shauna Ames. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, he's he's got his he's got his fingers in a lot of stuff, and he so he's he's always moving and, and messing with things. And it's a good thing got something coming up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what about your folks? How did they meet? 
I could not tell you. Okay. The old man left when I was five has never said a word since. Are you serious? I don't know anyone on dad's side. At all? At all. None of them. Do you have siblings? Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. Lots of them, apparently. (laughs) That grew up in the same home as you, or was it just... Okay, no, no, all right. So, I'm going to give you two answers to the siblings question. Okay. (laughs) Um, My brother and my sister, I, I have brother and sister. My brother's a different dad, same mom, obviously, so th- he's always been there. My sister's the same dad, so when he left, he left all of us. Okay. The reason I make the funny comment, though, is at one point, he always, I'm guessing he always had some line of work where he couldn't get taxed or garnished. We never got anything. One, one time they got a hold of him, and they tried to make him pay insurance for the kids. Mm. So my mom called the insurance company up. Said, hey, you know, I'm the uh, separated wife of sure. Ken- Kenny Cobb. And uh, I was told, given this number to talk to you about insurance. And the lady goes, are you the mother of, and listed like five other names. Damn. One of which, my age. Huh. And he left when I was five. Damn. He'd been running around on mom for a minute. Okay. So you don't so 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 I've I've probably got a bunch of siblings I don't know right, and extended family like aunts, uncles, and all that I don't know anyone on that side. Okay, Um, Browning is my mother's name. I legally had it changed. Nice because I've never known. Yeah, I've never known the cops. Do you even know if he's still alive? I don't. No idea. Yeah, so I've never identified or really been a part of that family, so it made sense. And sure, um, did your sister also? No, and here's why. Um, I am my sister's guardian because she's mentally handicapped. Okay. And I didn't go through the process because it would have been my decision. I didn't go through the process because the name thing doesn't wouldn't make a difference or really mean anything to her uh, mentally. Understood. Gotcha. Okay. So, and as far as she's concerned, I'm her brother. Right. Brandon's her brother. Right. Mom's in heaven, and that's... How long's mom been gone? Uh, eleven years. Okay. Okay. Eleven years. So, um, so th- th- she. So that's that's and that's how I became my sister's guardian. She when, stays when, with when, you. When my mom passed, I took guardianship. Okay. And have gone through the process to get a little bit of a state help and uh, to help fund for. She lives in a house with a couple other roommates that are also in the similar situations, where they have someone in there that can help them. Okay. Because she can she can talk and she can do a lot of functioning things. She needs guidance more than anything. Okay. So, in in that respect, it, you know, she's doing well and all that. Good. Family Good for you. Fa- family wise, though, yeah, mom's not here. I've never known dad. It's it's a pretty small small group right now. Okay. Family wise, yeah, just because it's sure. You know, it, Splintered and splintered again, sort of in a sense. Yeah, so I've I've got one aunt and uncle by the Brownings, and you know I talk to them a little bit, but I'm not close with the uncle and my aunt. I relatively close. Um, Grandpa recently passed. Grandma had passed before mom. So right now, my family is very very small. Dang. Okay. Very small. Um, well, did mom uh, put on music in the home when you guys were little? Mom always liked music. Um, my understanding is actually mom could play a little bit of a guitar. Okay. When she passed, I actually 
took her guitar. Okay. Had it refinished and gave it to my brother. Nice. Because. You're a thoughtful fellow, man. Well, yeah, and there, there's an extra thought that went into that. I told you, you know, I play guitar. Right. My first guitar is bought from mom. Nice. So I have a guitar from mom. Hey. So I finished hers and gave it to my brother. Cool. We, we both have a guitar from mom. I love it. In some ways. So, um, that, and that was just, I thought that was a good thing and a neat thing to do. And I, I, I concur 1,000%. Yeah, so, yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, I had it, had it finished up, but it bought a hard case for it and all that. But yeah, so she played at one point. I don't recall her playing in my memory. I don't think she'd played in a long time as I was growing up. Um, but there was always music, at least of, of some sort. Sure. And mom had, especially considering the time she grew up, she had, a, I'm going to call it a liberal attitude. Okay. She would listen to things and, and would you could present things to her. And she'd have an open mind. Thankfully. Right. One of the albums we're going to talk about stems from this. Okay. Because my brother... There's six and a half years between me and my brother. Okay. And he's obviously, the, he's the older. I'm the, I'm the baby of the three. But, so he's getting into things long before I am. By the time I hit 10, 11, he's 16, 17. Sure. I had an enormous catalog to dig through because of my brother. Awesome. He he literally had six hundred CDs and open door policy. Come on yeah. in, and check something out. Yeah, borrow it, yeah. put it back whenever you're done. Don't, yeah, don't fuck it up. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, cool. The fifty sixty dollars CD imports. The, Different you story. Listen to those when he's around. Right, right. You know, like a was it a Stevie Ray Vaughan's Live in Tokyo? He paid a pretty penny for that. Man, it sounded good. Um, <laughs> but. Mom's attitude allowed him to expand and explore. Okay. Almost every album I mentioned to you that we're going to talk about is because of my brother. Nice. I've been it, looking for this story. I'm it, the, I'm three younger sisters. I, I've had a couple folks that have had older, where they've admitted, yeah, my older brother, well, but for the most part, no. Yeah. And it, I, it, I thought the opposite, that most people would be like, I am who I am because my older brother, blah, 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 but. Cool, you're here finally. <laughs> yeah, and, and and what's funny is like when you uh, reached out to me and I and you know we we agreed on this and I sent you the list of records. I told my brother I said you know I'm going to be on Badass Records and you know part of the deal is you you pick the five rec- five records that you consider. Um, and part of my choices were based on the way you phrased your question and invitation, because you said five records that are great or life changing. So I went for five that. I knew how I got to them and how they changed my music. You were thoughtful. Perception. I love it. And they all come from my brother. Cool. Like one of the, well, actually, I'll explain it when we get there, but so each one of these has some form of tie into my brother. And again, that goes back to mom having an open door policy and being able to listen and hear an explanation. Because her knee jerk reaction was that Black Sabbath was satanic. I, that was a thing that we were told back, you know, in the 80s. Or not necessarily, it was a thing that was said in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and biting my, heads off doves. And, but yet, Ozzy himself did not do anything to help eliminate that <laughs> right. idea. Okay. <laughs> I know. He, he, he kind of leaned into it, yeah. actually. But. But my brother figured, found out where the name came from and was able to explain that to her so it wasn't 
disallowed. You know, mom would listen. That's cool, man. You know, she may not have liked the music, but she she always had, you know, let it go. Man, and, I, and I think it's also partially in from one of my favorite stories of my mother as a child. It, from her growing up too, because she listened to music. She she would listen to Led Zeppelin and, and all these rock and roll bands that were going on when she was growing up. And she always gave Grandma credit because one of the albums she listened to was Alice Cooper's Constrictor. Okay, and it came with a poster. Oh boy, which had Alice Cooper with a snake wrapped around him. Uh huh. Grandma hated snakes. Long hair and probably some eye hated, black. Hated it. Hated it. I heard this story, I can't tell you how many times, because mom had that poster on her door, and grandma never made her take it down. Even on the front of the door, or inside her room? Yeah, inside her okay. room. Okay. Inside her room. But At least on you don't her... have to see it walking past. Right, right. But, but still, it was, and it was one of those things that mom knew it, and as she grew up, recognized that grandma allowed it to happen because it wasn't actually a bad thing in you know, your kid's going to grow, either accept it and learn about it or grow out of it. Sounds like mom and grandma were thoughtful people, too. So I think that's the origin of mom's more very open policy, with it, especially music. And it's something that could potentially come off as shock. You know, your shock rock things like that. Yeah, yeah. So so mom, mom would listen to things like that. It allowed Brandon to explore and build this massive, diverse music collection that i would ultimately explore right so he's still around and you guys are still absolutely yes yeah absolutely um i was his best man a couple years ago nice uh i'm not telling you anything you don't already know but uh shitty of your old man to do that but it but it sounds like uh kudos uh to mom because you the, the those that remained stayed close yeah 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 very very close cool I love it, man. Um, so, uh, before we get to your list, was there a first album that you fell in love with or acquired um, at, at a young age? Um, um, Album-wise, really, the first time I'm really falling in love with an album is... is going to be in your early 90s and that kind of gets right into where we're at with the list I okay made. okay there isn't there are musicians that i remember and still have good memories of from mom growing up um my brother and i joke about this because we're both quasi nerds about music and we've got a family playing on spotify and we name our playlist and he's got one that is it, it's called wilson street and it's all the stuff mom listened to when we were growing up on Wilson Street. Oh, oh man, heartstrings tell great there. So, but but it's also good good memories and just you know clearly recall mom playing the shit out of James Taylor's greatest hits. Oh, and, funny, nice. Yeah, you know, li- listen to the Carpenters and George Strait and all. Um, she liked Tony Braxton a lot. Okay. Uh, so how about uh, either first show for you or first mem- a memorable show when you were young? It, I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record. My brother okay. took me to my first concert. What was it? Rush. Nice. What tour? Test for Echo. Uh, would be 96-ish. Okay. So roughly. One roughly. Or, one or two records after Roll the Bones. You got to Roll the Bones. Two. Because it's Roll the Bones, then Counterparts, then Test for Echo. Okay. The cool thing about this, and we did not know this at the time, 
well, kind of. Historically speaking, now that we can look back, we know this. Um, that is the only tour where they consistently played the overture in its entirety. Oh, really? They would played it in one-offs, or they would play parts of it, sure. but not the entire overture. That's the only one. Okay. And it's my first concert. Was uh, I, Where I, was so, it? So I got, to see, I got to see the entire overture, and it's Rush. They did two sets. I don't think there was an opener that night. Probably not. Um, yeah, because they did two sets, and they finished the first set with the overture and then came back for the, for the second set. Where did you see them? Uh, I don't know what it's called now. Sandstone. Sandstone, yeah. It's always yeah. Sandstone. Right. Um, yeah, so that, that that was the first show. and Again, another example, just being tight family-wise. My brother's six and a half years older than I am. Might have been about 15, 14, okay. 15. Yeah. So he's 20, 21. It's cool he took you. He took me with a bunch of his friends. He, he didn't have to bring the little brother along for that. But he he okayed it through mom, and his friends were fine with it. And he's like, Adam, look, let's go see Rush. Nice. I was like, yeah, let's do that. Were you into Rush by then? Yeah. Okay. I'd, I'd like, and, and, I'd, and 2112 is what started me with sure, Rush. So sure. being able to have that opportunity to go see the overture and get a concert in. and uh, Boy, I came out of the gates pretty strong because that's number one. Number two is my uncle took me to B.B. King at Starlight. Oh, wow. And it was B.B. King, John Hyatt, and Tommy Castro. Okay. Strong list, yeah. strong show. Yeah. King still had his voice. I still have the poster I bought from that show. Nice. But, uh, yeah, that, that, those were the first two concerts. I, I hit good classic slash progressive rock and then the King of the Blues. <laughs> that, Fantastic. That, that's how we got started. Well, um so we talked a little bit about uh, chemtrails with Adam and Sean uh, right when we got rolling. Um, Tuesdays, 7 and 10 Central, Counterclockwise KC Radio. Um, Adam Browning, appreciate you being here. Um, I know Thank you. we all have things pulling us in a bunch of different directions. So, yeah, man, when, when there is a person seated in the chair and we've, you know, I, I, whatever version of that guy I was started off. It always feels good because cause I didn't rub you the wrong way. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Right. And, and so we talk about, you know, what, what is this? The pot? Okay, well, yeah, let me check it out. I'll get back, you know, and then, then maybe you get to the list and then maybe the dates and then the date arrives. And it's like, well, it's a big old thing to make it happen. Um, and obviously, I you know, have to take your word on that one, at least in my instance, though. For you, the beauty of it was Sean had already done the show. Right. So I'm like, I sent a message out. I'm like, Blair Johnson, is that the same dude I'm thinking of? Is that Badass Records? And he's like, yes. I was like, all right. He reached out to me. He goes, oh, yeah, go for that. Assuming you got time, easy conversation, and just talking about music. And that's that's how I got into Chemtrails. Because when Sean made the offer, I said, look, you're telling me you would like me to sit down and talk music for about an hour and a half every two weeks? I'm already doing that. <laughs> just not with gear in front of me. Yeah, yeah. I just All you're doing is putting a microphone in front of yeah. me. And Sean and I had a history because we've been friends for a while, numerous times at the bar talking about music. Nice. So he knew I was diverse and had uh, basically wasn't, pardon my language, wasn't talking out my ass. Yeah. You know, if, I'm, if I start rolling through a story, you can 95% of the time fact check it and be right. Because right. I, I generally... 
and my and, and on am on top of it and I'm generally not going to throw something wild out there without a clause if I'm not sure. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. That's good good thing. Good practice to have. Um but we should dive into your list um and uh more often than not I'll just roll with um what you gave me in chronological order of release date. So if we can do that then uh Volume four kicks us off. That yeah, that Black Sabbath. that would be the release earliest release, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All um, right. So and I, I I mentioned this the way you phrased the invitation in question. You know, life changing, great albums. I think the album is absolutely fantastic. I'm not even sure I would call it Sabbath's best album though. Okay. Because I think Paranoid's great. Absolutely. Top top to bottom. Yep. Absolutely great. Um, Master of Reality, I don't think gets enough credit. I think Sabbath Bloody Sabbath is a little underrated. I, th- th- this one's obviously in the mix for me. It's great. This is the album that got me into Black Sabbath, though. Okay. And I can tell you, like... What you were wearing. <laughs> not quite. Right, no, I know. I'm teasing. Um, but I mentioned Wilson Street... We had taken that garage and turned it into a room, and that's where Brandon was living at the time. And I was out there. We were playing Madden on the PlayStation. Nice. So we're waiting on the stupid PlayStation to load. And he says, let's put some music on. And I don't know why, but I can, I can feel this moment in my memory. Hearing that opening riff. When Iomi lays into that first riff on Wheels of Confusion. Yep. I was sold immediately. Nice. Like, Ozzy hadn't even said one word, and I was sold. I'm like, that is great. That's what I want to hear. That That's awesome stuff. And uh, that's what got us, got, got the Sabbath started. Sabbath, yeah, I can reasonably say they're the first band I really dug into. You know, with, with, with the name, I wanted to know how Brandon got it across Mom. Right, You know, right. Do me a favor and put that guy like on the corner of the table. It just starts to come through. I got you. Okay. Anyway. And actually, I don't need it at the moment because I just needed it to reference the uh, origin of our podcast. <laughs> um. So he gets clearance from mom on Sabbath. Yeah. So so that that's what get, makes me ask about that. You know, how'd you get that past mom? So he explains to me that it's you know Karloff movies and what whatever that that formed that and. Also tells me the story about how one of the first things they did as a band was make cross necklaces. Mm. You know, so so there's there's a lot of things there. The name is uh, face value of the name isn't accurate, but musically, and even to this day, you know, several decades later after I heard this riff, um, I still think Iomi is one of the best riff writers ever. I mean, I'm not going to call him the absolute greatest, but he's in the conversation. He wrote a, a heck of a collection of riffs on Paranoid. I can tell you that much. Oh, there's a ton of them. They're all over the place. And if you kind of, and you listen to other musicians too, musically and in interviews, you can hear the influence nice. Iomi had. You can hear how they speak of him in near reverence from what he's able to do with the guitar. Well, not only that, I mean, this is record four of 18 for them, and he took over production role, 
or production duties for this one, right? Yeah, for the, for the majority of it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, a little little collab with the other bandmates, perhaps. Um, no? there there was a. It's mostly Iomi because the first three records. Um. God, what was his name? I, There's the producer for the first three records was came from the label, and this is the first record where they didn't have someone specifically. It was Iomi and one guy that was helping, but That's he right. really wasn't doing much. Okay, okay. And um, it's just interesting times, too, because this is uh, 72, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in that time period in music, especially when you didn't have the, you know, what we have now with streaming and the ability to mass broadcast so easily, bands were humping it. You know, this is album number four in three years right yeah yeah because the, the first two records are released in the same year it's like february and november or whatever but it's they're both 70 okay record number three is in 71 yeah and then this is 72 that was the golden age of records man it was and like yeah yeah you're, people were humping it. people were putting out that was a, where most of our double if there's 50 kind of notorious double albums most of them came oh, right there in the 70s. Yeah, a lot of them in that early, early 70s. Uh, Some 60s. A little bit into the mid-70s, too. Yeah. Because um, I want to say Physical Graffiti's mid. Uh, and there, there, there's, 76. There's a good one. That's Good good double vinyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so with this record, they're, they're, they're just, they're humping it and they're busting it. They've been touring in studio and writing and drugs. Um the stories about the drug use for this recording session are legendary. Yeah. A magazine called Moho in 2013 wrote, uh, if booze and dope had helped fuel Sabbath's earlier albums, volume four is their cocaine. And it's just... Well, and that's a great way to put it, too, because the album was supposed to be named Snowblind, a song written about cocaine, and the record label said, "Mm, Uh oh, no, we don't. That is too clearly and obviously about cocaine. Right. We are not calling the album Snowblind. Yeah, but yeah, that that was, and that's how the end. You ended. That was a last second thing they pulled on them because it was supposed to be Snowblind. Right. That's why it's called Volume Four. They didn't, they well, were done. They, they 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 had everything else done. They're like, we're not messing with this anymore. It's just Volume Four. You can't swing a dead cat around their wiki without hitting a cocaine reference. I mean, it's just all there's. Uh, one of the first lines I saw was, you know. We're we're partying, you know. Here we've written three records, blah blah blah. We're pretty awesome, uh, but at some point you got to wonder where all the coke's coming from. <laughs> they they supposedly were finding every way possible to get cocaine into the studio. Like one story I've seen, and I've seen it a couple times, is that they had speakers shipped in that were hollowed out with cocaine in them. I mean. Like every way you could think of, I they're, saw one thing that said, there. said that all of their stuff was well, uh, a bulk of the stuff uh, around this time was like super, super pure and good and blah blah blah. So right, right. Uh, Bill Ward talks about. I think it's Cornucopia. He basically Great he, tune. he was he was so absolutely out of his gourd after they finished recording it. He thought he was going to get fired. He thought he was so high that he didn't play well enough. Right. From from the mostly cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. I that, that's it, it, it's everywhere. Mhm. I think they even knew it cuz this after this record is the first time they take more than a year to make a record. 
Because the next one's like 74, I think. Well, somebody, uh, there, there was the dude thinking he was going to get fired. There was a story about somebody walking off a stage after a performance and collapsing. That's Iomi. Okay. Uh, the, it, literally, every time hey, I you, turn, there's like, a, here's another cocaine story, and here's another party story, and it's just like, guys. Like 24-7, 365. Pump the brakes a little. Like, otherwise, you're going to be dead. So, so if you think about that, but let's just go ahead and go back a year. Let's say 69, you know, when they're making that first record, to when they're making this, 72. That's four years of non-stop music, show, studio, drugs everywhere, mixing a nap, right. music, drugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's logging quality eight hours of sleep every night. I guarantee you that. They might not have been getting eight hours a week with right. some of the stuff they were doing. Right. Because, yeah, I'd seen the same thing, too, that supposedly the quality of what they were getting right then was just out of this world. So... You uh, didn't. This is not your first Sabbath record, you said, correct? I don't know if I would call it my favorite. Okay. It's the first one I dug into the because because okay, that that, that 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 opening riff and like I said, I I can still see the PlayStation logo in my mind nice. as my brother stereo is to my right. It starts playing, and I was just like. Looking at the stereo as if I was going to figure something out. Right. Looking at the stereo. What is this? But, <laughs> but there's a coaster there for you if you wouldn't mind oh. throwing your. Oh yeah. Um, so this one's got uh, ten tracks, forty-two minutes long, fourth of eighteen, as I mentioned. Uh, so what is your favorite? If this was your first, what's your favorite? Boy, that that's a tough question. Boy, and Sabbath fans are going to hate me for saying throwing this clause in there. If it weren't for Iron Man, Paranoid would be my favorite. Okay. All right. I don't like the studio version of Iron Man. The live version comes off better because you don't have any electronic voice okay. mechanisms on the live version. Oh, I I could see where you might. So it, it, just, it, 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 it sounds a little too hokey with the, with the Iron Man vocal part. Musically, I love the song, but I just on the studio on the album, it's the one thing that holds me back on Paranoid. Hmm. Um, my one clause with the self-titled is there. It flows great. There, the way they broke the songs up, it's hard for me to go to specific parts of the so- of a song I like. Okay, you know, because like NIB, While Asleep, and something else are one track. I see. I see. So, so you can't kind of bounce yeah. between the, yeah. those two or three and go to the, the one or two that really hmm. stand out if you hmm. want to make a make a uh, a mixtape, yeah, from back in the day or a playlist or Absolutely. whatever. Um, if I've got to pick one, it's it's going to be four or sabotage. Okay, I think sabotage is absolutely brilliant and it's a good mix, good flow, album wise and your dynamics. But it's also, the songs aren't too long, but they're also not too short. This one, I love the dynamics on this, but I'm not always in the mood for an FX. Okay. That's or, quick, though. It's like or, a buck 14 or something. Or, or, or a cornucopia. Changes might is one of the few times they used a piano. It's a great written song. Not always necessarily what I'm thinking about, though. Right. So, you know, Volume 4, I love it as an album. It's the one that gets me into them. But it's not necessarily the first one I put on if I'm going to go put on a Sabbath album now. Okay. 
Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Um, so we'll skip uh, 12 years ahead. And uh, this one caught me off guard. This this is the entire reason I asked you if you if I had to own it in in, in physical. Oh, oh, uh, great question. I'm, because I'm, um, that's one of Sean and I's stipulations is that if we talk about a record on the podcast, we have to physically have it. Okay. That way we're just not pulling anything out of the sun. Sure. Granted, we both have massive record collections, so we have a lot of options. But that's one of our stipulations, so that's why I made sure to ask. I've never once owned a copy of Bob Marley's Legend. Are you serious? Never. Wow. My brother had it. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. So I listened to it, and it's. I think it's so interesting. It's a great starting point. If you look at the songs, they... And I've, I had read this... Well, I've read it. I'd already put it together when I read it. They kind of steered away from some of his more political songs. Mm-hmm. Some, some of the more um, revolutionary songs, yeah. you might say. And I always thought that was interesting. And I'm not sure why that's doing that, but it sounds like I'm going to have to have the electrician back out. <laughs> um, hey, sorry, uh, but, but real quick, uh, 84, Bob Marley and the Whalers Legend, 14 tracks, 51 minutes. They for sure steered away from political... Uh, I, I, every one of those has got, you know, uh, heavy emotion tied to it. Most of them happy, you know, one or two mournful kind of, but yes. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Because there's only like, Buffalo Soldier has a little bit of political aspect mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. it. Stir it up a little bit, not much, but a little bit. I shot the sheriff. You basically couldn't do a Bob Marley greatest hits without that, no matter what theme you're going right, for. Right at, at this point in his in his life and career. Um, and I've I've never. I don't think like other people. And I've never viewed Marley the same as everyone else, I don't think. Because even listening to this and using this as my, my launch point, Jammin' was never my favorite song on there. Never. Well, yeah, there's not, not a whole lot to it. And But it's also it's one of those... Jammin' and I Shot the Sheriff are the two big ones for that get the most attention from Marley. Oh, really? I think. I think every track on there does. I mean, half of them have been used in movies and TV shows, and uh, I just feel like they're all very familiar. But, I, I mean, I, I, now I listened to that record right. a thousand times over before finally I was like, I don't want to hear this anymore. And I went and I got the whole discography on cassette. And right. that's where I really mm-hmm. did. Right. The he- every... Had a dude on here, and he was like, "They're all the same, aren't they?" And I was like, "They are absolutely not anywhere no, close." No, that. Yeah, I don't. Th- I, I'd have a hard time with someone giving me that statement. As well. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> um, but as, it seems to me like anytime I bring up Marley, almost always the first song that's mentioned is jamming. Really? And I've never understood that. Like, it's a good song, but I, I just I never quite understood that because when I listen to this. First one that's jumped out to me was "Is This Love?" Okay, and uh, so I did. Another thing I like about this album, there's several things. It's a good launching point, and it did. I I I dug in. Um, my favorite style of Marley song is when he is more simplified love songs, because he writes great songs all the way through. Sure, but those are the songs I love the most. I mean. 
I was a. I put on Catch a Fire yesterday. Nice. And the first song I go to is "Baby, We Got a Date." Interesting. It, it's it's and you know after that I skip back to a High Tide, Low Tide. Okay. So I just for for my personal taste, I really like the simplified love songs. Um, the ones that are a little more spiritual really stand out to me. Nice. And that's uh, I think that's part of the reason why I liked Redemption Song on Legend because mm. it, it has a very spiritual connection. Absolutely. Um, and like I said, Is This Love is the first one that I really gravitated to. I was like, this song is awesome. And it's, again, it's very, the lyrics aren't complex. That is a straightforward love song. He just, he does it well. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it, it starts you down the Marley path and there's so much to learn about him. There is. I feel yeah. like I still have only scratched the surface and I was a fan for, I was in that lane for a while. Right. Um, know, always uh, would have branched out and found some other artists that mm-hmm. you know, but there was never, never anyone that was like him. No, no, there really isn't. I mean, for crying out loud, the man was shot and played a concert three days later. Right. Right. Uh, that th- that says a lot about dedication to music. It also says a lot about his beliefs because mm-hmm. you know that concert was supposed to. The idea was to unite people. Nice. So, and, and the doctors told him, they said, if we pull this bullet out, you might not play again. He said, leave it. Goes That's out, right. Goes That's out and right. plays a show in the name of unity three days later. Crazy. Absolutely insane. Um, there, there's, there, there's so much to like and so much interesting history about Marley. Uh, that incident, there's a Netflix documentary called I Shot the Sheriff. Okay. Very, very interesting. And similar to you, because I, I saw that a couple years ago. I already knew about that incident. I had some good knowledge, but it even, I found some stuff out watching that that I didn't know. Interesting. There, there, there's still a lot there. A lot, there were a lot of moving parts and pieces yeah. that were involved yeah. in that uh, incident. Interesting. Um, man, I just, you know, it's it's funny how i mean the discography you know there was some serious intention album art wise like just the font and the way things were lettered and mm-hmm. uh like there is a, a un- sort of a, a unifying uh, theme uh, visually to to the his collection of of studio records um but there's uh to me there's like almost each one has its own unique set of emotions or, or single emotion. Um, there, there, there really is. Um, one of the things that I absolutely or will get me into an artist or make me promote, per se, an artist, you know, just talk, tell everyone about them, right. is if you can do that little bit of extra nuance, whether it's the story behind the song uh, a concept to an album, the art to an album, like you were just talking mm-hmm. about, because there's a definite feel of of art when you look at a Marley album. Yeah, very much so. Um, Catch a Fire is an interesting one too, because if I'm not mistaken, it's his first international release. Okay, and when they first released it, you probably know this part. It was designed like a Zippo. I didn't. The record itself was designed like a Zippo. Okay. To where, you know, you have your 12 by 12 record cover, but they put a rivet in the side of it 
so that the top half opens like a Zippo. Nice. Inside the Zippo, you see the little flame, sure. the records inside the flame. Cool. So, you know, instead of doing the side pull out, yeah. you had to open the top. I like it. Pull the record out of the, out, out of the flame. And it didn't didn't fly? The They kept breaking on the rivet, so they changed the album cover. And is it... Is- so he's got a. Does he have a? Is there flames and he's got a spliff? Is that what it wound up being? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You're thinking right on that, because yeah, the the, the one is he he's smoking because he catch a fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the original artwork it looked like a zippo. Cool. So that's not to brag. I have one. Oh, cool. Very well. I'm glad you said that because um, I, I, I just I, I'm a collector and I love music. So when I can find something that hits both, but both of my uh, hmm, wheelhouses weaknesses yeah, uh, wheelhouse. Go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that uh, I'm glad you said that. It's really cool. You have one, but uh, man, uh, I have very very little vinyl. Um, mm. I still have you know hundreds and hundreds of cassettes and hundreds of CDs, but, um, this, if we're going to talk about a record on the podcast, we have to have it. I mean, shit is not cheap. They, they really are. With, with, with the records coming back. Yeah. There, there's the prices has, have come back with them. I'm, I'm going to, uh, this flickering light is driving me crazy and I think it's the air conditioner. Okay. So I'm going to run upstairs real quick. And, Might be soon. Yeah. But sorry about that. Uh, so, uh, with records coming back, you were we were talking about them. Yeah, yeah, they're coming back, and and the prices are coming back with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like like you said, they're not cheap. Um, I already had a decent collection when this resurgence started. Um, and I just I still do because I like the sound. And again, one of the things I always loved about records because. I've always had a little bit of a record collection, and it's grown because it's taken time. Yeah. So it's grown over time. Yeah. I don't have the cassette collection like you mentioned because when I started listening to music, it's right in that gray period where cassettes and c- are kind of fading out to CDs. Yeah. So I never really got. I into held them. out f- until like two thousand. Oh wow! Because I didn't. I was like, "What am I supposed to? I'm not gonna. I don't want to rebuy all these, you know." Which some I did, most I did not. Right, right. So I've got records and CDs just because, you know, there's a long time where it's obviously not convenient to travel with a record. Yeah. You know, yeah. and for a long time I was the oddball. Right. No one else had a record player. Right. I did. Um, so, yeah, I've got a decent CD collection and a good size record collection at this point. Nice. Just from following bands, too, I've... I get into discounted sales and pre-sales and things like that where I can get something unique without having to spend quite as much money as right. you might otherwise. Right. Um, and yeah, and there's a handful that are special that I've made the point to go track down, like Catch a Fire. Sure. So I, I literally looked for that for 15 years. I bet. Um, Where'd you finally find it? Uh, record store and... I think it's technically Grandview. Wait a minute, you like were just flipping through, and you're like, no, no, oh. it, it, it wasn't that glorious. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd been looking for so long, and uh, when I found this record store, it's called Got What You Like Records. It's over on Hickman Mills Drive. But I went in there and was 
uh, was talking to Mark, the owner, because I'd met him at a pop-up record store, and he told me about his storefront. So I went in there, because when he told me about that, it also turns out that he was surprisingly close to where I lived. So I'm nice. like, oh, great. I'll go down there, support local business, look at some records, all things I like. And, I, and he said, you know, what are you looking for? And I named him two or three records, because there was a couple blues records I was looking for at the time, and I named Catch a Fire. And maybe two months, three months later, I, I get a message from him. He said, I found it. Wow. I said, is it still intact? Because that's the you can find them that are broken. You know, you get the top half and the bottom half, but they ain't functioning. Right. And an item like that, you can find them online. Okay. It's not something I'm willing to purchase sight unseen, though. That's why I took the time to look for I it. I see, I see. Okay. Just because of the, the issue with that sure. rivet. Yeah, of course. So he, he found it, and I went in there, and he showed me that it worked, and I was like, and the record was in good shape. And I was like, all right. Nice. Here's my card. <laughs> Uh, so we took a 12 year leap, uh, from volume four to legend, and then we're going to take a 14 year leap, um, and hit, uh, <laughs> VH1 storytellers, Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson, 1998 phenomenal Fi- recording, 15 tracks, 52 minutes. Uh, we go from legend to a pair of legends gigging together and seemingly, Based on the banter between the tracks, having a good time. Yeah, it seems like really enjoying each other's company. Yeah, they're, 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 there's a lot of good jokes and they've got a couple funny stories about the songs. Um, when I got a hold of this, it'd be really close to the time it came out. Okay. Um, and actually, I don't think I listened to it on CD first because as as I said. All of my choices are, I know where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, we were on a family vacation, and we would take week, week and a half vacations with Grandma and Grandpa, and try not to be too expensive, because uh, as, as we talked about earlier, Mom was a single mom of three, sure. with one being handicapped. Yeah, yeah. So money's always tight. Yeah. So we would go on these vacations, and- Rent rent a cabin, and we and we'd have to rent the conversion van to get out there because we didn't have something big enough for everyone to sure. get with all, all the clothes, stuff. All, the, all the stuff yeah. you need, and the people. Um, so we're in South Dakota, and Mom and Grandma are making dinner. Me, my brother, and my grandpa are flipping through the TV, and this is on. No kidding. So this is a family vacation where I discovered this. Recording and then they put it out on CD afterwards. Oh wow! So when That's it came, cool. so so when it comes out on CD, I'm like, that has a real you special guys, meaning to me, right? Yeah, this is great, and I like the music. And as far as the great albums part, and I also mentioned how e- each of my selections would change or influence my music taste and what I went to forwards. I was relatively familiar with Willie Nelson, his catalog, what I liked and didn't like. I was not with Johnny Cash at this point. And this recording is after the Unchained record, which is the second American recordings with Rick Rubin. Mm. So a couple of the songs on here, Unchained itself is on here. Mm -hmm. And I thought there was one more that was on. I Still Miss Someone is on 
Uh, no, I'll take that. I Still Miss Someone's on the first American Recordings. And even that was a re-recording because he'd released that many, many, many years ago. Okay. But when I watched this show, I didn't know that. Right. So, you know, the, 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 you know watching this and listening to him and hearing the, the good banter back and forth made me, it made both of them very endearing. Absolutely. Dude, dude, listening to them, it just, it just very, it's cliche term, but wholesome. Yeah. I, just, I felt good about myself watching this. I mean, like, I didn't know that this record existed, and I love Johnny and I love Willie. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I wonder how is there going to be a palpable phoniness, you know, when I'm listening? Nope. It's the. Uh, it, it sounds very authentic, yep. very straightforward. Um, you know, early on, they, they make the joke about how they're both, like, one of them's drinking a hot chocolate and the other one's drinking, like, water. Mm hmm. And Cash is like, eh, as long as we keep wearing black, we'll be yes, fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it, it was just all the little jokes, and it was stripped down without being too stripped down. Right. It's Johnny Cash before his his voice wasn't as crisp as it was, obviously, when he was younger. Right. But I don't think it got this good again after. No, it would it would go down a little quite a bit after this. Mm-hmm. You know, your third and fourth American recordings albums. There's a lot more faltering. There's a lot more wavering in his voice. Is that uh, a label, American recordings, or are you just saying he re- recorded stateside? Um, no, no, no. It's uh, that's Ruben's label. Oh, okay. I saw that Ruben was the producer on this one. I didn't recall that they had worked elsewhere together. Yeah, yeah, he did because he. That's uh, Ruben's record label, so it's um, Johnny Cash would later release a box set, and he called it American Recordings, and it was all the B sides from those recessions. Oh, fantastic! But yeah, that that's Ruben's label, and this sits in, yeah, like you said, Ruben produced it, so this is technically issued under Cash's name and label, but obviously it's two legends. Mm-hmm. Um, it not long after this show. Cash would basically stop touring. Mm. So this is also one of the last live recordings of Cash. Wow. And it's in great quality. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he he, he would do a, a handful of things one-offs, but he he didn't t- really tour again. Okay. How much do you know this. about Ruben's label? Does he does he have a ton of amazing artists on, under, on it or Rick Rubin is all over the place and I don't know how much is actually on his label but as a producer though he's worked with well yes almost right. every genre under the sun but and a lot of big names but if he's produced for somebody that doesn't necessarily mean their records coming out on his label correct correct okay. correct okay. And, and the cash ones did right um so yeah it, it's just it's interesting and it's it's one of the reasons I chose this it's a great something where I clearly recall where I was, how I found out about it, how it changed. I love that story. Where where I would go with music because I was only a little bit country there, and that that gets me a little more further back because Willie's going to lead you down a road with obviously the Outlaws, mm-hmm. you know. So you, so you you can you can dig in and spread out a little bit from there. Cash leads you around down a little bit different road because it's more of the classic traditional country, right? You know, going all the way back. And so, the, did you wind up d- digging a little bit into Cash's solo stuff at, from this? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And and from this, also, when I saw the show, I didn't know much of anything about the stuff with Rick Rubin either. Okay, I would learn about that after the fact. Nice. 
So the, the, this really starts it for me with Cash. But you knew going in, you knew Willie, but you didn't know Cash. And did you? Fi- yeah. Did you find that you enjoyed Cash? I like Cash. There aren't a lot of individual releases that I'd really go to. Okay. I found my favorite Cash recordings are live ones because there's okay. a, there's a couple bootlegs from. Um, I have one that's mid seventies, and I have one that's early eighties. That are both really good in the styling of it, and he has such a large catalog. We we mentioned this uh, when we were talking about Sabbath, and the country genre is no different. And you're you know mid seventies prior. Your musicians they 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 were just they were just churning it out right. as much as they could. Right. So a John the Johnny Cash catalog is large and in charge. Oh yeah. It, 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 there's a lot to dig yeah. through. So what I love about the couple of bootlegs I found is that they hit the songs I like the most. Mm, okay. And I, I can do that. And it's and Cash always styled his shows to talk with the audience and have that right. get, have that personable um, mm-hmm. appearance and mm-hmm. front. And I think that part of that stems from having the TV show. So it would be a natural thing for him to to translate that. What TV show? Oh, the Johnny Cash show. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Oh, I yeah. No awareness of that. Yeah, he had he had a TV show for probably a decade. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. And it was him playing music and having guests on playing music and just talking about that. Oh wow! I so, bet that was awesome. And I don't know if his show style lended towards the show, or if the TV show made the concert. Huh. The, the way it because they're very similar in the bootlegs I have. Okay, as far as how he's it it, it, it feel it kind of has the feel of a television sure. show and right. the way he's talking and Interesting. bringing people out to do songs with him and then going back and then talking to the crowd about different things and um, jokes here and God, there. Did the TV show even it didn't even get a mention in in the movie, right? No, no, not at all. No, and that's walk the line. I mean, they 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 did a pretty good job on it, but they, they there's a bunch left out. It's the it's my only qualm with it because I knew too much about Johnny before that before that movie came okay. out. You know, because by the time that came out, I'd read Johnny's autobiography. Okay, I'd listened to a bunch of the music, and so I had a real good feel for it. And I actually thought they did a good job. Right. If you're not uh, you, you know steeped in knowledge. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. They, they, I didn't like the fact that I walked away from it feeling like I didn't like him as much, you know, because he, he, he Johnny's a flawed person. Well, of course, he but is. it's like uh, it, it. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to go on a tangent about it, but uh, not definitely not steeped in knowledge. I I, I had classic cash. I think is the name of his greatest hits. Uh, There's a ton of them. Well, this one's 16 tracks or so, and like just literally, they're all just absolute bangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from there, I got a couple of, uh, of his studio, and I, I pivoted at one point and didn't go any deeper. Uh, but tr- I went from zero knowledge to tremendous amount of respect just from that handful of records and and that that's where i was when 
uh, okay. Walk the Line came out. And yeah, I'm like, Jesus, it, guys. Like, yeah, and reading, I had read the bio- autobiography because it's written by Cash, so it's an auto. Um, I'd read that beforehand, and that paints a real telling picture. He, there, there's a lot of struggles in his life. Sure. And, and he obviously he, he he had some demons. He also did some good stuff too. Yeah. Wasn't his dad a piece of shit in that movie? Like yeah, just never and, accepted him and was mean and and that's kind of the way he portrays him in the autobiography. Okay, too. okay. I, I thought that that was one thing I that they didn't really stray on that. Sure. My biggest issue with the movie was the stuff that was left out. Right. Say. Right. And again, that did that goes back to me having dug in a little bit before. Right. So. Right. Well. Good stuff. I was uh, very, very pleased uh, that you that this was on your list because, as I said, I had, didn't even know I this, the the uh, VH1 storytellers for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I heard that, you know, but I don't think I ever sat down and turned one. Anyway, um, so we we leap from no, we stay in the same year. By the way, New Year's Day that was put out on New Year's Day, uh, Cash and Willie. Um, because they both came out in 98, so I had to check release dates. So March 13th, however, two months, two and a half months later, uh, Elephant Riders, Clutch. Yes. Who uh, I had never heard of before. I absolutely adore this band. Um, but I, there's uh, Tim Salt. Uh, Guitarist. He sounds like he listened to a lot of Frank Zappa at some point in his life. Now, I didn't see that mentioned anywhere, but just I, I got a lot of Zappa influence coming out of his sound and his tone and his I style. Could, I could see that because within the band also, there's a str- pretty, pretty strong jazz influence because their drummer, um, JP, I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name, <laughs> but... um. If you li- listen to them talk about their influences and different stuff, you know, I've heard several interviews, especially with the drummer. I think Salt as well, but they credit um, Miles Davis, oh. John Coltrane, a lot of your old classic blues guys. Interesting. Um, so yeah, that 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 doesn't surprise me. I I really like with Tim Salt's work. He's he's basically he's rocking Gibsons that I've always loved. Yeah. And the effects he used, because I, it, it's, it, it, I love it. The selling point with this band for me is their lead singer, though. Okay. He he just is. I think Neil Fallon, he strikes me as a dude that I would could sit down and drink three cases of beer with. <laughs> nice. I because he he's just laid back. His I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was. His the the way he writes his lyrics, the the style, how he paints his pictures and tells his stories, and is willing to use any word in the dictionary. There's nothing off limits. Okay, I have learned words from Neil Fallon. Okay, very nice. But his, and I would find this out later because this was the first band I dug into, and again, I picked albums that would kind of change how my music taste goes and it would lead me down different paths this album you said you didn't weren't familiar with the band third album the first four are are all on four different labels oh weird no one quite knew what to do with them and how to um market them yeah market okay okay so four albums four different labels this is the third one 
there's an EP before this that is on this label too, but that's just if you're talking about full-length studio albums. Mm-hmm. To me, this is the first one that hits closer to the clutches I'd know them. Mm. As kind of as they would turn into be and, and continue, continue to, pro- to progress. And continue um, to put out music. I've got 13 of them, and one of them just came out last year. Oh, yeah. Sunrise and Slider Beach is a good album. Nice. Um, but yeah, and it's and they've they, they've grown with each record. Sure. But you can hear the differences, especially in the first four. You got different producers almost every time. The producer for this album would come back and help them later. Interesting. And I think that's part of the reason. I think they like Demon. I think that's part of the reason why this sounds closer to their truer sound. You know, now that I know them better. Right. But this album, we're talking about our different formats. My brother had 98S10, bought, a new, bought it new. Had okay. A, had a tape player. And there was a clutch mix, and it was heavy on this album. So we, we, we'd go do stuff, and they did a lot of times we'd be listening to the Elephant Riders. Nice. You know, different songs on this, you know. Oh boy, oh boy. Well, I don't think anyone can fact check me on this. I'm gonna say the Yeti was the first song on side two. Okay. It was the Soap Makers or the Yeti. It was one of the songs on this album. I remember every time we turned over, I'd be like, Yeah, this is this is a good one. My jam. I've been waiting for this. Yeah, well good good tunes. Uh the I made one note about one track and it's track eight, Wishbone, and they just fucking get after it. Like Yes. Very impressive. Like yes, they they really do. Um, this is one of those things too that this album has a a hidden song which you mm-hmm. have you have written down, mm-hmm. but it is the twelve minute finisher. Yes, yes. Um, you know, roughly eight minutes of that is air. Um, <laughs> nice, but it's not listed on the CD cover. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it is like it's like a hidden track. And you yeah. don't you don't get that anymore no. with, with with the way artists now will put out singles and all this and that and using using your streaming platforms which like I said it's great. It's a double-edged sword though. You yeah. lose some of the art, some of the cool things yeah. like that. Um I got to say though as much as I like Wishbone, uh the treat of the record for me was Delfio uh, Wynton Marsalis's brother, Delfio, uh, on the trombone on track nine, Cracker Jack, yeah. just absolutely crushes it. So good. Not only does he does he just murder that. If you're listening to the album and its progression, that trombone comes out of left field. I was that's why I was like, "What the fuck? What? Where did where'd you come from?" Like, I am okay with this, but I did not see this coming. No, it, it fits. It fits right there. Yes, yes. This album is where I really started looking at lyrics and how they're written, how a songwriter's telling a story. Okay. Because track number seven always stood out to me because I'm like, this is a great song. But if you listen to the words, he is talking about being mundane, living in the burbs. He's like, he's like <laughs> you, know, you know, we could have a grand old time taking the trash out on Thursday. I yeah I it, 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 but it works the way he places it the way he words it everything it works wishbone's similar in that respect the way he words about breaking the wishbone mm. and so that how this kind of changed my music perception because I, I I I liked heavier rock and stuff sure even before I discovered this 
And this just, you know, filed right in, and I liked him. And, you know, we're riding around, and my brother's S10 is, like, says 98. So this is the newest thing. I've got four albums to dig through with them at that point. But I would start looking for things and reading interviews. And because he's the lead singer, I, I saw a bunch of them from Neil Fallon. Okay. You know, that's typical. You know, you want to talk to a band, you talk to the lead singer. Because right. that's... It's the voice that people identify sure. with. Yeah. You know, it's generally often, oftentimes the face too. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, more often than not. Come to find out, Tim Fallon loves Tom Waits. Oh. And if you look at their lyrics, you can see a shocking similarity in how they style their lyrics and tell their stories. Nice. And those are two songwriters that both of them no word in the dictionary is ruled out. Uh, absolutely not. No, I did, we just I just did an episode a little while back sh- that featured the whole Tom Waits discography. It, it's 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 fascinating. Seventeen records, uh, a there, lot there, of stuff to take in. Yeah, there, there's a, there's a lot, and but they both they have ways of somehow saying the same story or the same concept and making it sound different. Okay. Finding ways to be colorful without having to be profane or shocking. Sure, it's there's a lot and, of value in there, and that, that's a trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that that's a neat trick to do, and it's this is the album that got me looking into that because from the interviews with Neil Fallon, that's where I was like, "Who the heck is Tom Waits? What is this Bone Machine album?" Mm. So that gets that's me into, your launch point for Tom Waits was Bone Machine. Based off a Neil Fallon interview. Wow. Because they asked him, what are the five CDs you listen to when you're on tour? Okay. And at the time, one of them was Bone Machine. So I'm like, who are these dudes? Who, who that, is is, who, that is a wild record. Who's Tom Waits? Yeah. And I get yeah. into it, and suddenly I have the earth dying screaming, and I'm like, <laughs> intriguing. Right. Nice. And, and And Tom Waits... Fallon does this too. The ability to paint the picture and knowing how to place lyrics. Waits is so masterful at that. And he does it with the voice that comes straight out of a choir teacher's nightmare. Right. There's It's so gravelly. His first, and his so first two records are... Gravelly and broken. Are smoother. Most most of the time. Yes, yes. You know, and, and, and you're right. You know, even all the way up to small change, his voice is relatively smooth and right. pretty good. But as the years carried on and the bottles of bourbon were thrown away, um, <laughs> it, 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 it became very gravelly. And both of these two also are so good at using non-verbal vocals. So like space where you would expect lyrics to be? Sounds, noises. Okay. You know, ooh, ah. Oh, ooh, yes, ah, ah, yes, ah. yes, yes, absolutely. You know, there, there's a song on Robot Hive Exodus. It's Neil Fallon uses binary. It's computer coding. That's all ones and zeros. But huh? it, but he's writing a song about computer geeks taking over. So the chorus, he goes into one zero zero one one zero one zero one. Oh wow. Okay. Well, so he's using binary, but because it's not set. He can maintain his time, fit within the song, do something huh. very unique that For is sure. that is not you. You, know, so you can't look that up with Webster. No, but it's, just, it's extremely unique. And I, 
I think he got that from Tom Waits. Okay. Because Waits is really good at using tones of voice. Right. Sounds. And, and, and working it in and keeping it in time, but still making a point. Yes. And and furthering the story that he's telling. Yeah. And so, and I think that's where Neil Fallon gets that. And it's one of my favorite aspects of Neil Fallon's lyrics. Okay. Very cool. Um, yeah, I might have to... I might have to poke around a little bit more at them if uh, what you're saying is true, because man, Waits is one of a kind. Uh, Waits is Waits is special, um, and I I, just, I love the I love his music. The the catalog is so diverse. Yeah, because like, like I said, you got you know I've mentioned Bone Machine. It's it's it, it's got a grungy, dirty rock and roll feel to it, but you also have an album early in his career like Small Change, yep. where it's practically lounge i mean uh, and li- masterful and even and even within those two your lyrical styles and dialects are completely different because he's almost joking farcical and small change mm. Mm. a lot more serious in bone machine right a lot of, you know a lot more driving points and then harder harder stories yeah yeah so i mean you know the evolution of a band you know, in, in Tom Waits and, and, and as a musician, and you'll find that if you go digging further into Clutch, like I said, the first four albums, different labels, different producers, they all sound a little bit different. And then you kind can, can kind of tell that they hit their stride. Nice. So with Blast Tyrant forward, everything after that, you can tell they hit their stride and they felt comfortable and were growing as a band instead of still trying to find things and figure things sure. out. I mean. It's a t- uh, la- this last week's episode. Uh, old high school buddy happened to be in town. He, like biggest Pearl Jam fan I know, mm-hmm. uh, so he had two, um, and No Code was one of them, and I think that was four. And he said this is basically Pearl Jam in crisis um, because ten was what it was, and then it's like what what's our follow up going to be? And then, you know, so verses and then Vitology, he, and he just had a good way of describing that one. But then it's like, now what? They transitioned. I mean, but it's a... Th- they, th- it starts with that fourth album. They, they transitioned re- pretty good. I mean, it's not a... It's not a slap in the face or blunt or hard transition, but listening to the albums pro- chronologically, you can tell the fourth one's where they changed. Interesting. Well, and I think and Sean and I have talked about that on our podcast too. Uh, really? Okay. Um, did Did Sean mention a Pearl Jam record? Because Sean's also a huge Pearl Jam fan. He might have had ten on there, but I don't. Like I said, I actually didn't listen to that episode. It's quite all right. It's um, a It's a big ask time wise. So, um, but but you you know if you think about um, how many bands make it to you know putting putting together a full length LP and how many bands make it to record number two. And oh, then, and, right, and right. Then, and then four, like it, it's, it's a, th- and, a thing where you got to find that stride for you. If you're going to, if this thing's going to keep going, you know what I mean? You, you, you really do. And I think it's going to be the last record we talk about. We're, we'll, we'll touch back on that subject because I think, um, that band, let's do it now. Feathers and Flesh, Avatar. Is that, is that our last one? 2016, yes. Uh, sixth yeah. of nine okay. records. Correct. Um, and so we're talking about a band hitting their stride. Um, 
for those of you that don't know who they are, like most of the free world. Yeah, I did not. I also did not know. I had not heard of them, but I'm um, very pleased to that you introduced me now. Um, Swedish metal band. Mm. <laughs> and like, let's see, this was album five. Six, six of nine. Six. 14 tracks, 67 minutes. That's right. So they had some stuff to say. Album they? number four. You, know, you talk about a band transitioning. If you listen to Avatar's back catalog and start kind of working through the chronology of the records, the fourth album's where you, you can tell they hit their stride. Cool. They'll even say that in interviews. Nice. Because that's, that's, that's what, what, no shame in it. Why what, not admit it? What you see now, because you see Yoannis, uh, their lead singer, in the face paint, and they have, and they generally have um, uh, an outfit, is what I'm going to call it, because okay. it's not necessarily a costume. Okay, but, they, but they, they're definitely sure in sync with each other. That starts with the Black Waltz album, and it starts with. They did a video for one of the songs, and the uh, director said, let's try face paint. And they liked it. Interesting. They watched the video. They were like, this fits. We like it. Let's keep doing that. So they did. Okay. And you got a couple albums. There's, like you said, the sixth album is the one we're going to talk about. So there's Black Waltz. There's Hail the Apocalypse. And then we have Feathers and Flesh. They felt like they'd hit their stride musically. They were they, they were very comfortable. They kind of had a look and a feel. So they decided that they wanted to do a concept album. Hadn't done that before. Decided the way they wanted to do it was to write an album based on a fable. So they spent some time based on a, a fable that somebody else wrote. Or yes, okay, okay, yes, originally. Okay. So they spent some time looking through their couldn't find anything that they really thought they liked or fit. So this dude, literally lead singer, goes out. He's like, I'm just going to write one. A fable. So he writes fable. Okay. Then writes the songs to go with the fable. Oh, so they initially looked at other people's stuff. Yes. Couldn't find it. They they initially went looking around and then ultimately decided to to carry on with this idea. We're just going to write our own fable. And Very then write cool. the music to go with it. Very cool. So you have this great packaging, and I, I'd mentioned this earlier. It is as far as I, I love it when an artist goes the extra mile for the art. Yeah. You know whether it's your fonts and artwork specifically, or in this instance where you put that even more extra effort to write a fable. To have someone do the artwork for everything for the characters in the fable. Because, you know, very simplistically put, this fable is the creatures in the forest are fighting each other. One side is led by the eagle, one side is led by the owl. So you, and that's how you get a song like The Eagle Has Landed. Mm. We're talking about the eagle. You know, he's coming in, he's leading the charge. I'm here. I, I am the hero you've been looking right. for. You know, follow me. We're gonna we're gonna fight the owl. What, is that track four? Uh, Eagle has landed. Three, three. Great track. So yeah, so we're we're gonna fight the owl. We'll never have to deal with the moon again. It'll be sunny all the time. The eagles land. I like all of his choices: owl, eagle, moon, sun. Like that. Those are I love those elements of. And even within it, though, he hits almost every layer because you you have those. Um, 
I want to say Black Waters, you have the wolf in there. Okay. Fiddler's Farewell, you're talking about the crickets. Interesting. Like they like they hit every level of the animal kingdom and cool. and in what you would consider a typical forest. So yeah, they, they they write the fable, they get the artwork to go with it, they write the songs to go into the fable and where they see it into the story, and they release it in about every format possible. Meaning, because you have the book, right? You you brought some stuff. I mean, show hold it up for the camera. Oh, I didn't even realize we're being recorded. Oh, yes. I had no clue. I'm just sitting here. <laughs> you didn't see me go over there and turn both of them on before I sat down? I completely missed it. <laughs> completely missed it. Yeah, that's you, and I'm over here. So you can show oh, the stuff very good. you brought if you want. Yeah, and, and the reason I brought it was honestly uh, so that you could see and know what I was talking about because if you... It sounds like a lot. It's a well, lot. To, it's a lot to process at first. Yeah. Are they all separate purchases, or was there a package? Because you know, you 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 have when you go through this fable, you have the lyrics. You have the fable, and the lyrics of the song that go with it, and artwork throughout this, and it it just it packages really well and tells this story that has a really sincere and kind of awful moral. Um, it's really sincere and what? Kind of awful, moral. Oh, interesting, interesting. And then they put out a version, which is actually very hard to find now, but I, the collecting music nerd, found it, where you can listen to their lead singer read through the story up to the, where the, a song fits in, then you hear the song, and then he reads more the, more the, more the fable. This, I call this an audio fable. Yeah. It's, so it's, what's the difference between that the one you're holding and the one on the... So, like I so said, you can listen to the story, and the songs are the studio versions of the songs sure. that fit into the story yeah. and where they fit in. And, you know, it it did really well with their fans, so they released a deluxe edition of the CD, and this is how I found out about it, because my brother... We're back to my brother, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my brother really liked he he dis, he's the one that discovered him and really liked him was telling me about him. That bonus disc is a DVD of their set from Walkin' in fit twenty fifteen. Wow! So and that's they're, what they're set from uh, Walkin' over a music festival in Europe. Okay, the Walkin' music festival. Okay, so they had forty five minute set. They recorded it. That's the DVD from it. Nice. And when my brother's trying to tell me about this band, he goes. Just watch. Because on YouTube, it also has clips from the 2015 walk-in. Okay. So he pulls up a couple songs, and I'm just like, I'm like, these dudes are getting it. Like, they, the, the stage show is there. The voice is legitimate. That's not a studio. He's not... No Lair tune. Yeah, he's not layering tracks or anything to make sure he can hit the high note here and then hit the low. To the Interesting. Their lead singer, he has an incredible vocal range. Musically, they can do it, and it back to what I, how I love artists that put the extra nuance out yeah. there. The the show, the show itself. Tell me, they 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 hit like when they hit "Let It Burn" in that set particularly. You have two guitar players, lead singer, and the bass player doing circle head banging that I had not seen in years. Meet where you're like they got long enough hair. They're they're okay. whipping it around. Okay, okay. 
And it leads I in. always just immediately go to, oh, my neck, I feel Right, like. right. I do, too, anymore, at least. Um, and it, they tie it into the music. So, oh, like, cool. with Let It Burn, you, one of my favorite drum fills I've ever heard, because they come in heavy, slow down for, like, half a second. There's this great drum fill, and they kick back in. And they're doing the circle headbanging. They're, they're going at it. Half second, drum fill, going again. Nice. And and just and just and and then the, get into the, the the lyrics of it. And like I said, Johannes has a great voice. So my brother sh- played me a couple tracks off that. And I'm like, that's awesome. He goes, it's part of the feathers and flesh. Mm. So then I go dig into the record. Right. And I'm like, holy mercy. I and I I I I dove in. I just went straight for for all of it, and I want to say we're around twenty eighteen ish, maybe twenty nineteen when I'm digging through all this. Okay. So as far as Avatar's career, I'm a little late to the party. Yeah. You know, because they're now. Um, and like I said, they're from Sweden, so they're not on this side of the pond very often. Right. Came overseas. They came over to do a tour. They didn't hit Kansas City. They hit St. Louis. Okay. My brother and I were like, we're going to go. I mean, absolutely. If you didn't, I was going to be like, what? You know, ha- having seen this, we're just like, I got to see the spectacle in person. Right. I want to see Where'd this. Where did they play in the loo? Um, Pops. Over in Saugat, Illinois, technically. It's, oh. just, it's just on the east side yeah, yeah, yeah. of St. Louis. Okay. That show is touring for Avatar, the the record Avatar Country, which is their other concept album. Okay. And Avatar Country, that concept, they basically named the country after themselves, named the lead guitarist King. The story goes, the King saved the country through heavy metal. Nice. I... I said, I collect things. I have a snow globe of the King on a horse (laughs) wielding a guitar. Okay. Um, the video for Avatar Country, there, there's an individual laid up in hospital, and they uh, save him by putting headphones on and making him listen to Man of War. Nice. I mean, it's just, it's just all this little stuff. So you've got that, and every song on Avatar Country mentions the king. Oh. Like, every title mentions the king. And so In some way, form, or fashion. Really? And and they're joking about it, too. Sure. Because, like, there, there's, a, there's a segue where it's the king talking to the people, and he's talking about... Um, about how he had a great bath that day, and <laughs> and some a couple other little things, and he, and he finishes up with an and now for some volleyball. Oh, funny! Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great big story and joke. Okay, huh. so we go over to see him in St. Louis, and you know you drive to the other side of the state, you're gonna get in there to see the whole show. So we, a couple openers, and they they were okay. N- nothing that really caught me. Nothing that also, you know, my ears weren't bleeding, so it wasn't bad. Um, and we're just, we're walking around. We looked at the merch stand, and I was like, "That's pretty cool." They had the guys at the merch stand were dressed up in basically outfit and costume. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whatever. I that didn't surprise me. Right. Saw their sound guy. The sound guy's dressed up. Yeah, Whatever. Right. We're, we're we're going for the whole shebang. Yeah. And we're just walking around, and I was like, wait a minute. Brandon, do you hear that? He goes, what? He goes, listen to the overhead. They had done a track that was Avatar Radio to lead up to their set. Oh. And it was 
interviews with the king and people that had met the king. It was weather forecast for Avatar Country. It was all this little backstory and nuance about wow. Avatar Country to lead up to their set. That's fascinating. And I'm just like, I've never heard of a band that went that far for the story. Very cool. Granted, Ghost is close as far as the story goes with, with them and their stuff. But like with with, with Avatar, I, I listened to that and I was like, I already had dug in. I was sold. But I'm like, this just put them over the top. Right? Because that's special. That's next level. That's very cool. For, for your art. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And like I said, they're, they, and they make a joke of it too. Like they're, they're having a good time. When you sign up for, they're a fan club. Or, and if you, well, in particular, if you order something from the store, your confirmation emails and all stuff, all that stuff are addressed to Avatar Citizen. Oh, funny. And your name. That's, I mean, and you're like the, the email for tracking your purchase is in the hands of a servant of the king. Nice. Pulling Sh- out all the stuff. Shall receive it shortly. Nice. I went in there once and because uh, they had a sale on it. I was looking around. I put a couple things in the cart to see what it would total out to and the shipping and all this. And is then it I, all coming from overseas? No, they, they they have stores on both sides. Okay. So, but uh, I didn't buy anything. Closed it out. Got an email. From the Royal Department of Not Spying on You But Totally Spying on You, we noticed that you left some things in your cart and we really don't like littering. They are still there if you would like to purchase them. Mm. But I'm like, so like they're making up names of departments. Like they're, they're just having fun sure. with this and having a grand old time. Um, I think that always resonates with a fan and and says to the fan that you, you care about us and us yeah, enjoying yeah. ourselves. And right. Is this also kind of a thank you for being a fan? Right. And then and, and it's just... I just I have such great appreciation for that. Um, for this album, they were stateside and they did a they did a spot on a radio show. It was actually acoustic. Mm. It sounded really good. I bet. Um, but again, they uh, the, the the term doesn't sounds kind of screwy, but they dress in uniform. Mm. And they show up to this radio interview. They're all rocking sandals, cargo shorts, and Hawaiian shirts. Really? Just just random out of the blue. And it, it, they're having fun. Yeah. Of they're, they're, they're sticking with the idea when they're having fun. And they were asked about it. Like the, the lady that was doing the interview, she goes, So, you know, I understand. You know, you guys always have uniform on stage, and you come in here also in uniform. Where where'd you get this idea, or where'd you get that? And uh, you know, did you buy that back in Sweden? Is that? And, and Johannes was like, no, 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 no. We found these at a Walmart in Ohio. <laughs> like, like he's even making jokes, like w- w- on the state side that resonates with you know United States humor. Nice, I, I love it. I think Johannes is incredibly smart. He speaks, uh, he, he speaks like three languages. He can make jokes. That the very are, first thing that came to mind when you said that, I was like, that sounds like a smart dude. Yeah, he, he, he'll make jokes that are relevant to the culture he's around. That is very smart. So, you know, and, you know, like the show at Walk-In, he, 
he, he will talk to the crowd in different languages. Wow. Because he knows he has a large population of different languages out there. Huh. So, you know, he'll, he'll talk a little bit in uh, Swedish or American or uh, I believe it's German is the third language. Okay. Um, that seems like it would track, yeah. But it's just incredibly smart. They strike me as if they are having fun, and it's this album got me back into heavy metal because okay. I I, I kind of stepped away for a little bit, but my brother showed me this, and I'm like, wow, these guys can do it, and they're putting the art and the story with it, and I I I have such great appreciation for that, and you know, at this point, I've seen them five times. No kidding. I think I think uh, no twice in Kansas City. Okay. St. Louis. Uh, I went to Wichita once. Uh, I thought there was another one. Oh, Omaha recently. Nice. Yeah, recently. Uh, up at the Admiral. Good little spot for a show, by the okay. way. Cool. E- e- easy drive up, easy drive back. Uh, my brother and I have also already planned on going to see them in St. Louis in November because they are they went back overseas and then they're coming back to the States and they're still not hitting Kansas City, so we're going to St. Louis. Hey. And that times out beautifully because that date is the 23rd at, uh, it's not the pageant, it's the place that's hooked up to it. Because mm. there's, there's a place right beside them. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I've only been to the pageant. I didn't, I wasn't, only think I was aware there was a place. Yeah, it, it's right. If you go to their website, both places are on the same website. Okay. Um, Interesting. The reason I know this. The day before, Royal Blood, who also does not come this side of the pond, is at the pageant. Oh. So my brother and I are going to go out there on Friday, get some grub, catch Royal Blood show, stay the night, nose around, catch an Avatar show, come home. After the show? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We don't like sticking. Or if we're within four hours, we'd rather come home and sleep in, sleep in our own bed. Yeah, I hear you. Um. And I've got a dog, so you know, getting someone, oh, to, yeah. getting someone to watch the dog a little bit is, I can do that. But if I can get home sooner, it works better. Yeah. But yeah, so and that's, the Royal Blood Show is the day after my birthday in September. Nice. So he's picking up one of my tickets there too. Hey. So I'm paying for one ticket. I'm going to get two, two shows, shows from bands on the other side of the pond that are incredible. Awesome. There's another one too for anyone listening. Go check out Royal Blood. There, that's in. Where are they from? Uh, UK. Okay. Because I don't think it's England specifically, but right. UK. Okay. Um, very, 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 very talented band. Uh, it's becoming more popular or more prevalent, I should say, a two-piece. And a boy, two-piece band. Yeah. Okay. They may. I've seen them once live before, and wow. Interesting. I was a delivering pizzas for extra money at the time when I found out about him, because my friend Joseph told me. And he said, check this band out. At the time, they only had one album out. And the way things are now, you know, I was able to pull it up on, uh, at the time it was Google Play, and stream that first album mm-hmm. while I was driving around Lee Summit delivering pizzas. Nice. And I thought to myself, man, I really like these guys. And Joseph had told me they're two-piece. I'm like, I really like these guys. I like the way, I like the way Kerr writes songs. I like his voice. I like the sound to it. I'm, you know, I, I'm still curious though. You know, are they a studio band? Because you know, mm. I know they're a two piece. You know, do, do they have studio musicians in there helping fill that out? Right. So you know, a little bit a week or two later, I was doing stuff around the house, and I, um, 
pulled them up on YouTube. Because, you know, it's a smart TV. Pulled them up on YouTube, still doing stuff around the house, and something caught my eye, and I stopped, and I looked at the TV, and I was like, wait a minute. A, that's only two of them on stage, so they can do it. B, that's a four-string bass. Because I'd heard of two-piece bands where it was a guitar player and a drummer. I'd never heard of one that was a bass player and a drummer. Hmm. And you know, come you know, after digging into him, come to find out he's basically he's got the the head on his amp. He's got two of the channels set up to where they're bringing strings higher. Oh, so so that he can catch the low end of a guitar and high end of a bass. Hmm. Smart. And they're I've used that band, um, the song "Don't Tell," so many times at bars to see. Because you you can recognize a music a, a music fan at a bar mm. if you can get a hold of the jukebox, right? <laughs> if you can get a few songs on the touch tunes or whatever, you can recognize this. And I've I've done it several times with "Don't Tell," and caught people going, "That's a good guitar riff," right? In the chorus, two piece band, and and I, like like one of those times specifically, it was a I was still at Mints because it was after a shift and I was you know just having a beer. And it was one of our coworkers, and, and he said that exact same thing. He goes, that's an incredible guitar riff in that song. Did you hear that? And I was like, yeah, I heard it, but a uh, slight problem. That's a bass. He's like, what? <laughs> like, just about lost his mind because nice. he didn't realize that that kind of riff would come out of a bass. The only two-piece outfit I'm familiar with is, or was, they don't, uh, they're, whatever, uh, Benevento Russo duo, and they were mm-hmm. keys and drums. Okay, and he could get different sounds out of his kind of. I, 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 I could see that with keys, guitarish very, very much sound. So. Yeah, um, but no, there, there's a, there's a handful. Okay, um, local H's two piece. Hmm. Uh, the Black Keys started as two piece. Right. Everything, right. everything before Brothers is just two of them. Right. That's true. And again, and but most oh. of those examples, uh, Larkin Poe currently tours. They're two piece, two two girls, but again, that's guitar drums. The Cold Stairs started out as a two-piece. They've been on our podcast. Oh, I nice. I dig them. Uh, they've recently expanded to three and still sound great, but they started out as a two-piece. But again, it's um, guitar drums. Mm. So um, almost all the examples I had encountered before that were guitar drums. And here's here's Mike Kerr like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this I'm with the bass. bass. Nice. Funny thing about it, too... Um, and I found this out from the cold stairs. I was listening to an interview with her lead singer, and uh, he basically he used the same trick Mike Kerr does, but in reverse. Which is, you know, Mike Kerr with Royal Blood, he's take he's running it through his head, and he's got two channels that are bringing strings yes. higher. Um, I'm drawing a complete blank on his name. The lead singer of the Cold Stairs was doing the opposite. He was taking a couple strings and bringing them lower. Mm. So he could catch the rhythm with his guitar better. Wow. And still have a couple strings there to do a riff or a solo if he wanted. Sure. And, you know, if he could design it. Man. But, but they were basically, I'd, I've listened to interviews from both of them now. They're using the same trick just in reverse. Oh, funny. <laughs> I, 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 I thought the same thing. I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. Um. So, Chemtrails with Adam and Sean. Um Tuesdays, 7, 10, 7, and 10 Central, counterclockwise KC Radio. Um, 
you know, one of the musicians I had on recently, uh, we did talk a little bit about uh, what is on whose plate, you know, as like a four or a five piece uh, outfit. And, you know, like somebody's uh, got the engineering and recording and, and somebody's like social media and some, you know, it's, you get, so my my question to you is, um, you know, do you do you personally have aspirations for chemtrails, or uh, is there a direction the two of you have d already discussed that you would like to see it go, or is it just one episode at a time, and what happens happens? Right now, we're more one one episode at a time. Okay. Um, because we've had some conversations, uh, as we'd mentioned earlier, Sean's got his fingers in a lot of things, and mm -hmm. he's got a few ideas that he'd like to go for. And at the moment, you know, chemtrails is something good to keep going with that doesn't interfere with anything and can be included in some of his ideas. Sure. You know, down the road. Yeah. So right now, it's it's more of a one episode at a time, and we still have a, a small army of albums that we can both talk about, for, you know, within each of our catalogs. Nice. And when we can get interviews, we can do things like that to sure. to, to beef things up and get, so, get something a little bit different as far as the listener's concerned. Yeah. Um, if it is uh, an episode where you're talking albums, what's the process like for you to put together your portion of what you're going to bring to the table? Um, to be brutally honest, it's very much seat of the pants. That's fair. Both of our schedules are pretty hectic, and a lot of times what happens is I send a message out let's say on a Monday and say, you know, what's your schedule like for recording? And then we'll kind of figure out our schedules and figure out what we're doing. And then it'll be one of us will ask the other, what album are you talking about? Oh, you each bring one. Yes. Okay. Okay. And you know, and, and that, and that, and that varies. That's not always the same person, you know, cause it could be a situation where maybe I just pick something up and I'm, I say, Hey, I want to talk about this. And he'll go, all right, I'll, I'll pick something that works with it. Cool. Or if, or if we haven't done anything, you know, made a major purchase or already targeted an idea, um, then it, it's one of us saying, hey, what album would you like? And the other going, all right, I've got a couple options that might work with that. Okay. What do you think? Cool. And then a lot of that stuff, because we have the albums and it's bands we know, I don't have to take a lot of time or worry about justifying or working time in to yeah. make notes on stuff sure. because I'm talking about my album. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be one I know and I have a broad enough base. If I know what he's doing, I'll give it a listen or two. Kind of like, like what it sounds like you did with, mm -hmm. with my mm -hmm. selection. You know, give him a listen. You can have a feel yeah. for it. And if there's a question that comes up, maybe write it down to make sure to bring it up. Yeah. But, for the most part, a lot of what you hear on Kim Trails is natural conversation. Okay. It's, you know, we take the time to pick the albums out, and sometimes we plan a little bit ahead. Like, we do have some ideas, and we, you know, last year we did a one-year anniversary where we went through what we did in that first year and picked songs about it and some of our favorite moments and different things we did nice. and, w and whatever. I like that. So we may do that again soon because we're coming up on that two-year that we mentioned. Um, and we've had ideas that we we might still go through with as far as going to places to record because mm. sometimes that's fun to do. Right. You know, I think I mentioned, um, you know, we were able to record at the Westport Saloon, you know, in one of their last nights. So that, right. was, that was kind of cool. Yeah. You know, kind of nice to do. And make sure you remember to bring all of your shit. Right. If you forget something, 
You're toast. Yep. Or if you have a headset that doesn't work. Right. Right. <laughs> um. So and there's there's that and and we 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 work on things and have have some ideas, but it's also right now too. You know, KCTK Radio is kind of in and out on on their uh, well, their airing. I, mm. I think they had some personal things come up and were weren't doing anything for a little while, so we were still able to go through and carry on with the KC uh, KCTK or not KCTA, Karen Clockwise KC, right? Bad. You know, and, and and not miss a beat on our end. But you know, like I said, that there's. But with outside of that, Sean is very busy in getting, making sure he gets you know badass records. Sure, vibe talking. Yeah, uh, the scene. Yeah, you know, with the pretty boy. Yep, um, and getting all that lined up and into a schedule and all that. So, the, the, right now, chemtrails is a good thing to do one episode at a time, and when we have an idea, we can work it in there. And you know, when things are busy, you know, like I've I've had a really busy, hectic run the last four or five weeks, and. Uh, before that, Sean had a busy run, right. where he was he was out uh, out of town for a week and a half, two weeks. So, right now, where, where we're at with the one, one show at a time, it works for us, and cool. we, we can keep doing this. And so, it's something we both enjoy, and hopefully, uh, the people listening, yeah, enjoy. Um, what about outside of the podcast uh, goals or bucket list items for you? Uh, right now, I'm just. Uh, some of uh, the the recent busyness is a uh, um, will affect my living. Let's we'll mm. put it that way. Okay. Um, so I'm just tr- trying to maintain on that respect and um, get some things wrapped up to where I have a little more freedom going down the road. Sure. And uh, catch some shows as I can. You know. Nice. Uh, like we talked about earlier, hanging out at Starlight and with the Revivalist and seeing the Rival Sons and yeah, I'm uh, and I've already got plans for September. Go over to St. Louis, catch a couple and yeah, um, and, and it's there, there, there's some there, there's some shows I'd like to see some other ones coming through that I'm just kind of waiting, biding my time and cool all that. Um, so imagine if you would, uh, there is, you know, sometimes in a place you'll see a first aid kit on the wall, or maybe you have one in your closet, your hall closet or something like that. But imagine a first aid kit for the world. You get to open it. And the thing the world needs the most right now is in there for you to take out and administer to the world. What is it? Empathy. Okay. I love that. Right. Zero hesitation. Uh, the ability to empathize and to under analyze, understand, and react, whether you agree or not, but the a different ab- deal. The ability to understand and listen to someone and their point of view, and then be able to use to incorporate that, so that you know where they're coming from and why they're thinking or doing. So yeah, to me, it, it's it, it would be empathy. I love it, man. It, you, you don't have to be all peace, love, and happiness, but if you understand where someone's coming from, then you have a chance at finding that middle ground where we can have agreeable conversations. Right. We can make decisions that work for more people instead of just you. Right. That's huge. So it, 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 that's where I would go with that. Um. 
sometimes my boy will get frustrated at the batting cages. And uh, one of the th- thing that I say often to him to get him back on track is, hey, man, Hall of Famers hit 300, meaning... You fail 70% of the time. Right. So, you know, in life, we whiff on things all the time, too. What is there one occurrence or experience in your life that if you could, you'd go back and, and tweak or do differently? Hmm. Well, nothing jumps out at mine. Mm-hmm. Like, n- n- nothing immediately. Sure. Because I, I would... You know, looking back now, just a quick overview, it would probably be getting my career path set sooner. Okay. I I had that as a question for you, like since graduating uh, high school, what? And we we, we touched on this briefly, but growing up was, uh, you know, money was tight. Yeah. And there there were a lot of strange situations. Um, My first paycheck paid the water bill. At your mom's house? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, things things were always tight. Yeah. And I don't throw that out a lot because it's easy for someone to hear that statement and think I'm looking for sympathy when that's to just me, how it was. In that moment that's that's what you do. Yeah. You know, I I bought like a CD and paid the water bill. <laughs> nice. Very you know, nice. so and up money, to that and, money well spent on both fronts. And and up to that point too, I spent a lot of time doing things with my grandfather because he always around work did, did little odd jobs to make extra money. Mm. And, uh, you know, like one summer we, there was a microburst around, uh, Lee summit, um, which is code for a tornado that the meteorologist didn't see beforehand. Mm. Um, picked this barn up, moved it, shifted it. It was no good anymore. Owner of the property wanted to hold, torn down, hauled off, take, taken away. And my grandpa got the job. Mm. Needed some help. So me and my cousin, who's almost literally a month older than I am, so we're about basically the same age, we're both like 13, 14. We helped him for a week. Nice. Got it done. But Grandpa always paid. Okay. So, it, you know, I, I mentioned the first paycheck, paying the bills. It's not necessarily the first piece of money I had. It wasn't the first time I had the opportunity where I could go out and buy something for myself. And I'd, I'd had that before. Sure. You know, like in that example, I want to say I got 140 or 150 bucks for my grandpa. Mm. And at 13, 14, that's a fortune. Yes. I think I bought CDs. Um, <laughs> and I know I at least bought a couple. Right. But, um, so yeah, so, so growing up like that, when I graduated high school, my brother's six and a half years older and had moved out. Mm-hmm. I thought it was more important to me at the time to stay at home and keep working and keeping working and and helping out made it very challenging to go do a full a college schedule. Mm, yeah, of course. So I so I I didn't work towards that and I didn't do that. I didn't go to college until I was almost 30. Okay. That would be the one thing where I think I might change that around in hindsight it it wasn't nearly as unmanageable as I thought. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, you know, I I probably could have done a full-time job. In fact, when I did go to college, it was right around the time I lost my mom, and I was in college, and, well, 
Guess what? I was working a full-time job, going to college, <laughs> taking care of my sister, had more responsibility and stress than I would have coming out of high school. Oh, my gosh. So, in hindsight, that's probably a decision I would have done. I, I think I would have done that differently. Okay, interesting. I think I would have gone ahead and enrolled, at least get some basic credits out of sure. the way, keep, keep into, maybe not full-time, but keep working and... Um, what has been like uh, keep, 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 and do the school thing and get into an actual career sooner what has been your career path up until today or you know recently um i had a couple of retail jobs coming out of college and then i got into food okay service industry it's more of a job than people want to admit you know i mean i did 20 years Again, yeah, so you understand the frustration yeah. when someone says, oh, are you ever going to get a real job? Uh, no one ever said that to me. I mean, uh, other, beyond coworkers under the same roof, like, hey, are we ever, you know. Uh, but nobody, nobody from the outside ever pointed in and, and asked that question. Um, I th- and then that may be, I don't know, were you front of house or back of house? Back. That's why. Okay. Front of house gets that a lot more. Okay. From what I can tell. I see. But, uh, so I got into the service industry. And okay. I... Um, worked my way up at uh, Atlanta Bread and became manager there and then went on to manage some uh, uh, 54th Streets for several years. Okay. Uh, when I decided to go to school, I stepped down and did some serving and bartending in different places to work through school and all that. And the degree is an associate's in computer-aided drafting. Okay. So that's what I do now. Oh, nice. Um, I, got, I, got, I got a job with DH Pace doing um, estimates, not estimates, um, Quotes? Details. Oh, okay. On, okay. Uh, detailing jobs that we'd already been awarded. Mm. Going through there, go, reading reading through sets of plans and what do we need for the doors and doors and windows and, and this job. Sure. And, and that job. Yeah. And moved on into more drafting and drawing, which is what I went to school for. Okay. And that's what I currently do. Um, these structural formwork drawings for uh, the formwork to pour concrete okay beams columns nice all that kind of good stuff very cool there's a fabulous looking w column in atlanta that i drew and designed nice it's a w <laughs> sits on the corner of the street like blatantly how you can't miss this wow thing. and it's one of the few because a lot of our work isn't finished because it'll end up getting covered up oh. you know your slabs and beams get covered up by sure. you know, a secondary slab or a different flooring and the underside your soffit is generally covered up by uh some kind of ceiling structure, mm. you know, it, unless you're in a garage. And even then, you don't have to be too wildly cute with the finish on that right. and all that. But a W column that sits on the corner in the front of the building, you do. So, yeah, you had to be very careful with that. And I'm pretty proud of that one. And I got to see it in person. Nice. Because we do a they'll, – they'll send us out on field visits to go okay. talk to the uh, superintendents and the – Cool. And the – guys that we're sending the drawings to so we know what they're working with and what they're wanting nice well i got one more for you and we'll get you out of here uh and it's the hokiest of all uh lunch with anyone dead or alive who's it going to be and why anyone anyone boy that's tough um Just to just to talk to someone, if there's a purpose to the conversation, it it'd be someone along the lines of Martin Luther King. Okay, someone that had a great vision, obviously very well thought out, and was interested in 
everyone getting better. Wow. If you're going for entertainment value, sure, like just a conversation, someone you'd just like to talk to, right? It'd be Neil Fallon or Tom Waits because oh. I think they're both individuals I could sit down and be comfortable with and talk about anything, right? I and enjoy the conversation and enjoy the company for sure. Um, Fantastic answers. It's one of the things that one of my favorite stories about Clutch because I'd read the interviews and stuff. I was listening to Neil Fallon and Tim Salt. And the interviewer said, you know, you know, there's so many fans that, you know, appreciate what you do, like with the different beers you've helped brew and, and your music shows and all this other than that. And they all think it would be great to hang out with you, you know, like before the show or after the show, you know, what is that like? You know, what would it be like to hang out with Clutch? And, um, Neil Fallon said, well, if you're really interested in uh, listening to the Allman Brothers and eating a ham sandwich with a bunch of middle-aged men, then you'll fit right in. Nice. <laughs> That's a classic answer. Uh, yeah. yeah I, 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 I agreed. I, I thought it was fantastic. I'm like, honestly, sign me up, Neil. Right. I'd, I'd love me a ham sandwich. Yeah. Allman Brothers are great. Uh, absolutely. I'm fine with this. Right. Some Jessica in the background with some melted Swiss on... Yeah, absolutely. Well, if we're getting fancy, toast some sourdough. Right, right. <laughs> um, Adam Browning, I really appreciate you being here, uh, taking the time, come sit, sit here and, and, and chat music with me. Uh, Chemtrails with Adam and Sean, Mondays, 7 p.m. Again, Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Sorry, God, I got it right all the whole time until I was going to say, I was like, I Tuesdays. Don't... Okay, let's try it again. Chemtrails with Adam and Sean. Uh, Tuesdays, 7 p.m. Central, again at 10 p.m. Central, counterclockwise KC Radio, uh, which you can access via Live 365 or the TuneIn app. Uh, you should tune in and check them out because you guys have a good time. I didn't, I was kind of dipping in and out of a few episodes, mm -hmm. uh, and there's, you, you're just a lot of BSing and hanging out and talking and joking. I didn't get to a point where I was like, Oh, he brings an album. He brings an album. It's, and I tried to find some bio that would explain that somewhere on Facebook, but and, and I and didn't come across it. it. It's something that, um, we're, we're working on that a little bit cause we've had to change formats a couple times. Oh, okay. We started out on KCTK radio, which, you know, they wanted in one lump file. Mm. So we did things a little bit differently there, and as we've evolved into the counterclockwise radio, because um, there are commercials involved with the way he's set up, we've now broken it up into three segments to where it's the opening segment where we talk about what's going on, things we've posted, ideas, stories, whatever we've got going on. Then it's a segment for an album. Then it's nice. a segment for the other album. Okay. So it breaks up a little bit gotcha. easier in, in that respect. But... um. We enjoy what we're doing, and when you listen, it's natural conversation. Sure. It, it's very, very, that, very much so. Absolutely. And uh, kind of like what we had here today. Right. I, I had a few notes just to make sure I wasn't, you know, uh, mis misleading the I folks. I know. I know. I took a, I took a, I don't even, seven, six or seven pages uh, with me out to Sean's, and just, they, they came out twice, but 99.9% of the time, they're in my pocket. Right, I, I've, right. I felt it was like Linus in his security blanket. I felt good having him, but I'm. But I was also glad that I was able to just not really. Right, you know. right. And and for me, if I'm doing something unique 
you know, like uh, like I said, we've had a few different interviews. I will obviously take the time to put the notes there because also, even if I want the conversation to be natural and I don't, you know, want to be looking down on a script, writing it down for me helps me remember. Same. So, you know, if I'm talking to Jared Nichols and I want to talk, make reference to that first album, I'm much better off if I've written down what the name of that album mm-hmm. is. Absolutely. So I'm not stuttering yeah. or trying to look, look, look through the notes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm so much so that uh, there have been a number of times where, you know, people have stuff come up and they've got to uh, move their date or, or some, sometimes people just decide, I, I don't want to do it after all, whatever. Um, but I've had some, you know, times where I've prepped and then uh, I'm I wind that that interview doesn't happen, so I, I I go and I do thirteen more whatever it is, and then all of a sudden that person's back on the books again, and I got to go back to the notes that are now old. I'm, I type them up, you know, change the font to huge and print it out, and then I can just sort of rip one sheet after the other. Mm-hmm. But it's like I have to get in there and have interaction with those words and phrases again yeah. to bring the stuff. You yeah. know, yeah. I'm not just gonna be like. Yeah, six months ago I wrote down that this was there. You know, I, I, right, right. Now like I said it helps helps commit things to memory for me too. So, chemtrails with Adam and Sean, counterclockwise, KC Radio. Check it out. Appreciate you being here, man. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Bye.